you know what? Our dreams are coming true today. Online poker is finally legal in the United States. You can actually play legalized online poker today, April 30th, 2013, in the United States without anyone breaking a law. And that's great. And I'll talk about that later in the show. But uh, this is a historic day for online poker. And this is just the beginning, I think, of what's to come. But it will still take a while. Anyway, I know what everybody's waiting for, at least people listening live. They want to know what's going on with Brandon. Is he back? Because I announced that today was going to be the day when a decision is made regarding Brandon's future on the show. I said if he is not back by April 30th, that this would no longer be the Druff and Drexel show. In fact, when I posted the thread about this show, I put the Druff and question mark show because I wasn't sure if Brandon would be here today. Well, is Brandon here? I would like my co-host to say hello. Once again, I would like my co-host to say hello to the audience after all this time. Co-host, go ahead. Co-host, go ahead. Say hello. Hmm, that's not good. All right, uh, let me try one more time. Co-host, can you say hello to all of the listeners? Co-host, are you there? Nope, Brandon's not back. Brandon is not back. I know some of you read too much into the Laverne and Shirley song. And I probably wouldn't have chosen it had I realized that it would have kind of tricked people. It wasn't an attempt at a level on you guys. But, (laughs) no, Brandon's not back, and I don't know if he's ever coming back, is the truth. I can't say he's never coming back, but I can't say he'll be back anytime soon. Uh, He had told me in the middle of April that he would be coming back on April 23rd. He could not do that due to a personal emergency. Today, I'm not sure why he's not here, to be honest. He didn't promise to be here. He told me on the 23rd when he couldn't make it, I'll try to make it next week. If not, you can just take me off the show. So, I said, okay. April 30th is here. And Brandon is not here. So, I I wish he was. But he's not. This is my co-host, Mr. Cricket. I mean, he's pretty funny too, but he gets kind of repetitive. So, I'm sorry. Not only is Brandon not back... But other than the cricket, I have no co-host tonight either. So uh, we're batting zero all around tonight, even though there's a lot of important and interesting stuff to talk about. So what's going to be the future of this show? Well, I'll tell you in a second, but let me talk about the free roll we have tonight, because that's a timely topic. Time is of the essence with a free roll, as always, especially when we start late, which is like always. 
We have a $60 free roll tonight, thanks to Gordman, who sent 50 bucks, Sensei Kreese, who sent 10 bucks. The $60 free roll breaks out as follows. and $5. That's first through fifth. 25, 15, 10, 5, and 5. That's real money I will send you on PayPal, by check. I'll even hand it to you in person at the World Series if you want, in cash. It's real money you're going to win. This isn't some crappy money you can't cash out or you have to sell to people on 2 plus 2 for half value. No. This is real money that we're giving away absolutely for free thanks to the generous users on this site. If you want to play, it's in the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which you can find near the top of the screen on PokerFraudAlert.com. It starts at 7.40 p.m. Pacific Time. It is No Limit Hold'em. To qualify for the free money, you need either a registered account by January 1st, or you need my permission, which you only need one time. Once I give you permission, then you have it forever, to win the free money. The way you get that permission is send me an email, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com, and tell me how long you've been listening, tell me the things you've liked about the show, things you didn't like. Just tell me what you've been hearing and what you've been reading on this site, and how long you've been around, and I'll make a decision if you qualify or not. Once I give you permission, you have it for life. So those are the two ways you can qualify for the free money. You need to do that before you win anything, if you don't have permission yet, and if you don't have an account that's registered sometime in 2012, or on January 1st, 2013. reason I have this requirement is to prevent people from showing up just to play the free roll and then running off. I want this money to stay within the community since it's coming from the community. So that's starting at 7.40 tonight. Make sure to register on time, unlike this show, which never starts on time, because unlike this show... The tournament always starts on time, and there's no late registration. So, that's going on tonight. Now, what am I going to do with Brandon? Well, nothing. Brandon is just not here. He hasn't been here for four months or so. That's disappointing, of course. I wish it was not like this. I'm sick of jerking the audience around when they're hoping for him to come back. I don't like teasing people that he's going to come back when he really doesn't. But, uh, you know, even he agrees. He, you know, This is not like a firing. This is not like we're, I'm forcing him out. He told me himself that I should take his name off the show. Not that I should, but he totally understands if I do because he hasn't been here for four months. He told that to me. So I have been holding back for a long time. And this isn't like some sort of punishment or some sort of thing done out of animosity. Brandon and I are still friends. And I'm not saying this in the still friends way, the way that uh, you might be still friends with an ex-girlfriend that you never plan to talk to again, or still friends with a former business partner that you really don't want to have anything to do with. We really are still friends. And we will continue to talk and, and see each other in person, you know, outside of this show. But for whatever reason, he just can't seem to make this show anymore. And since he never was getting paid for this. This was something he was doing voluntarily, and he does not own any part of this site. I always understood that this was something he was volunteering for and could end at any time. So, when he wants to come back, he's welcome to come back. Until then, 
I'll go on without him. And whoever wants to co-host this show, who I think would be a good co-host, you know, you have to have some qualifications to do it. You have to know what's going on in the, the poker world to some degree. You have to sound at least decent on the radio. You have to have some insight. But uh, if you want to volunteer, maybe I'll take you up on it. And that includes old co-hosts that I've had on this show. Old co-hosts meaning uh, people who have guest co-hosted before and even a regular host. We had Vowels who was here last week. And she's welcome to come back anytime. So, that's the story. And uh, Fluffer actually said something in chat. And Fluffer's always giving me a hard time on this site. But he said something surprisingly wise considering who it was coming from. He said, leave Brandon alone. He will come back when he feels it's fun again. You know what? That's absolutely true. That's exactly what's going on. Brandon will come back when he feels it's fun again. Not that he thinks this radio show is not fun, but that ever since the JSIP thing happened, he just hasn't felt the same about going out here and having fun on the radio. And then you add in other things that are happening in his life that have nothing to do with forums and nothing to do with radio shows, and he just doesn't feel up to do it. And that's what's going on. And when he feels like it'll be fun to come back, that's when he'll come back. That's absolutely right. Well, I have some good news for everybody who do not want to hear me ramble on for four hours straight. want to hear a different voice every so often. I'll give you a little update on that. Tonight's co-host, who will come on in about 15 minutes, will be China Maniac. He's guest hosted on this show before. And tonight, he's not just a guest host. Tonight, he's a co-host. Not a permanent co-host, necessarily, but there's no guest hosts anymore. Because now it's just me. Now it's the Druff and Friends show. And anybody who is the guest host for the night is the co-host. So China will come on as the first co-host in the Druff and Friends era of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. And I'm very happy to hear that. I always like having a co-host with me. I don't just want to sit here and uh, talk by myself. Even though a lot of you think that... um, I enjoy talking by myself. I much prefer to talk with another person. Some reaction from the chat room. Uh, Fluffer thinks I should call it Druff and his fat friends. It's not very nice. Um, Beebs92 saying, Yay, China saving the day. I might actually get to meet Beebs this summer. I look forward to that. Um, and yes, the official name actually right now is Druff and Friends. And when I posted the Druffin question mark show, I had a feeling it was going to be Druffin Friends because I had not heard from Brandon today and I figured that meant he was not coming back. So that's the story. So when Brandon is ready to return, he can come back. In the meantime, we will have our gaggle of co-hosts and it seems like we have a number of volunteers and even Karina Jett at one point said she would volunteer and I'll take her up on it one week. I actually just talked to her a few days ago. Didn't talk about this, but uh, just talked about some other stuff. So let me uh, give you a little rundown of what we're going to do tonight. Tournament starting in 15 minutes. Make sure to get over there if you want to play it for the free money, free 60 bucks. 
Today is a historic day for online poker. I'm not just engaging in rhetoric or hyperbole. This really is a historic day for online poker. And that is because this is the first day ever, and I really mean ever, that you can play online poker in the U.S. on a legal site. It was always legal to play. We were never committing crimes to play poker online, but we were playing on sites that were breaking the law to provide us that poker, and they were unregulated, and a huge mess has occurred in these years that this has been done. In the over a decade we've had online poker, there's been countless scandals. That's why this show's called Poker Fraud Alert, because there's so many scandals to talk about. I've got a new thing to talk about every week. I mean, think about it. This show... Even though we have some entertaining elements on it too The main point of this show is to talk about Scams and scandals and frauds in poker Mostly online poker And that's because it's an unregulated environment So today We finally have A US regulated environment Offering online poker Where real money is being played for Right now And that is on Station Casino's UltimatePoker.com It opened today for real money You can play for real money. The only catch is you have to physically be in Nevada. You don't have to be living in Nevada, but you have to physically be standing in the state of Nevada to play on the site. And of course, that is a big handicap to the site. And I'll talk about that. And I'll talk about everything that I've learned about the site and discovered on my own about the site because I did a a big examination of it, shall I say, yesterday. I downloaded the software, I created an account, I got verified, etc., etc. So I'm pretty familiar with UltimatePoker.com. I'll tell you what my opinion is of that site, how well I think it will do, and the technology that it is using to tell that you're really in Nevada. I'll explain that too. Now here's a site that is not regulated. I wish it was. And we've been experiencing all the consequences of it being unregulated because the people who run it are scumbags. That is lock poker. Talk about it just about every week on the show because they are always doing something that is shady. But they have really gotten worse than ever this past week. And that's saying a lot because I've been bitching about lock for the past year on here. But they are actually now at a low point this week. I'll talk about that and what's going on with lock poker. Really, really bad situation over there. The World Series of Poker is coming up in one month. I'll be playing my first event on June 1st. That's one month and two days from now. I believe the series officially starts on May 31st. But anyway, I'm going to be playing eight events. Maybe one or two more if I decide to, but I'm planning on eight events. I'm selling pieces of myself for six of them. I will explain how you buy those pieces and how much I'm charging for the pieces, and all the things surrounding buying pieces of me, how it works, what you can expect, what you can't expect, etc., etc. I won't bore you a long time with the details, but I will run through it quickly so everyone understands. So anyone who wants to buy a piece of me for the World Series can do so. Jason Stern, I talked about him last week. He was part of two stories. A story about Grinders Poker that screwed everyone, where he was uh, pretty much the face of the site, though apparently not the owner. 
and how he appeared to be associated with Infinity Poker, that, that shady site that uh, doesn't exist yet, but where they were soliciting investments and promising a 273% return on investment that was guaranteed. And Chico Loco called up and asked a few questions about that. But uh, Jason Stern showed up on the site to defend himself, and I always encourage anyone I talk about or criticize on this show or on my forum to show up here and answer to the accusations. Because if you don't say anything, people assume you're guilty. When you show up here and defend yourself, then it shows that at least you are willing to confront the accusations head on. The accusations may be correct, you may be guilty, but at least you're willing to hear them out and respond to them. And in some cases, it turns out you're not guilty, or not guilty the way people think you are, or the situation is not nearly as bad as it's made to appear on the radio show or the forum, and you want to get that message out there. I always want both sides to be able to come out and answer. This is not a smear show. I want both sides to come out. I don't know if Jason Stern is going to call in tonight. I didn't really ask him to. I said he could. But uh, if he doesn't, I will explain what he said and what my opinion is now of him, given that he's come by to defend himself on the forums. I'm going to give an update on the story about the jail sentences handed down to the guys who hacked Joe Seabach and distributed his penis pick back in 2010. Now, yes, we talked all about this last week. I'm not going to rehash the story. But there's a lot more to it that has since come out in a very detailed article that uh, had the FBI itself as the source. And I'll tell you what I think now since more details have surfaced. We have a death of the poker community, of course, with a pretty large community. It's not surprising when uh, people die, but uh, this person was not old. This person was not sick, at least not physically. This is someone who was probably sick mentally, and they committed suicide in the city of Las Vegas, a poker player. This person's father says that it was because of Black Friday, that after Black Friday he was never the same, and that led to his son killing himself. So we'll talk about what is arguably the first Black Friday suicide, and if it really was a Black Friday suicide, or if that's just an excuse. And what I don't have any excuses for, at least not anymore, is speaking all by myself and droning on and on, because we have a co-host now. Hello, Mark Chinamaniac. What up, Jeff? What's going on? Hi, I'm very happy to have you as the co-host on the show. As usual, we produce the show as the show runs. Everybody else, when they have a week in between shows, they produce the shows during that week of downtime. We don't do that here. I actually produce the show as I'm doing it. it seems to work no, out better that way. So no, no better way to do it than yeah, that. Yeah. So, so uh, I was reading the chat room, and China Maniac said, "Hey, you know." I'll come on and co-host. I'm like, okay, great. And last week, that's how we got vowels. She just called in and said, hey, I'll be a co-host. So, you know, if that's the way it's going to go every week, then that's fine. And, you know, some weeks I have to do it myself. I'll do it myself. Yeah, as long as I'm on the sleep schedule I'm on now, I could do it pretty much just about every week. So until Brandon decides to come back or whatever, if you guys need need an extra wheel, I'm always here. Yeah, thank you. And, you know, uh, China Maniac, he was mentioning his schedule. It's harder for him to do this than me because it's 10.30 there already. 
He's on the right. East Coast, so this starts pretty late for him. And while he doesn't have a nine to five job, it's still fairly late, and he, you know everybody has things to do during the day. And uh, even if you keep a late schedule, the world doesn't stop for you and keep everything open the hours you need it to be. So uh, I appreciate him coming on and, and doing this well past midnight his time. So I'm happy to have him. Uh, a few other topics. Disgraced UB COO Paul Leggett. Remember him? He has resurfaced as head of online gaming at a company called Amaya. I'll explain all about that and I'll tell you, I don't completely understand why he, of all people, was hired, but uh, he was. That's unbelievable. It is. And finally, or at least finally of our scheduled topics, Poker Stars wanted to purchase the Atlantic Club Casino in New Jersey, hoping to use that to get a license to offer online poker legally to U.S. residents, or at least New Jersey residents. Looks like that probably won't happen. Their deal to purchase the Atlantic Club Casino in New Jersey has expired. So they could renew it, but it's looking like they probably won't. And I'll explain why I think the deal has expired and why I think this is really never going to happen for PokerStars. So that's the situation. That's what we have tonight. Free roll starting in six minutes, just six minutes away. Top story tonight, aside from the situation with Brandon... But the top story in poker is definitely the first day for legalized online poker in the U.S. UltimatePoker.com offered by Station Casinos. For those of you not familiar with Station Casinos, these are casinos in Las Vegas that are aimed at locals. Now, most of them are kind of a dump. Uh, You have Palace Station, which is awful. Sunset Station, which is pretty bad. A bunch of other ones called Station. You know, this station, that station. One that isn't a dump is the Red Rock. Now, the Red Rock is nowhere near the Strip. I think it takes about 15 minutes to drive there from the Strip. But uh, the Red Rock is the nicest property owned by Station Casinos. They also have, uh, I think, Green Valley Ranch they own. Anyway, they own a number of casinos that are really aimed at locals. So that's why you may not have heard of them if you're from out of the area. But if you're from Vegas or have spent a lot of time in Vegas, I'm sure you've heard of the station casinos. Well, they won the race. They got a running, real money, U.S. online poker room. I guess U.S. is kind of a misnomer because it's only for Nevada. It's up. And it just abruptly went up yesterday. Or sorry, not yesterday. Today early, early in the morning. So, someone had tipped me off about this, that they said within a week, this will open. And before I could even post about that, it actually was open. (laughs) It was already open, and uh, taking new signups. Now, you may say, well, I wish I could see that. I wish I could uh, view the games I wish I could sign up. I wish I could deposit, but I'm not in Nevada. Well, guess what? You can. You can do everything on there, anywhere in the world, except play poker. You can even deposit money. The only thing you can't do is play. You have to wait until you set foot in Nevada to play. But you can get yourself all ready. So if you know you have a Vegas trip coming up in, say, two weeks, you know, get it all together, 
get yourself verified. Uh, you can even deposit money through uh, bank transfers. You can also deposit cash, would you believe, at the cage at any station casino. You can just walk in and say, hey, I want to load up my online poker account. Here's 5000 bucks," And they just put 5000 on there. And even more unbelievably, when you win, you just walk up to the station casino's cashier, any of them, and just go, yeah, I want to cash out from online poker. And they just hand you cash. Like, that is a dream. I wish I could do that with merge money right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even back in the days when it was best as far as depositing, withdrawing f- to and from online poker with NetTeller, when you could do it like instantaneously, you still had to wait a little bit of time for NetTeller to send it to your bank. And you knew the whole time NetTeller could screw you, either intentionally by like closing your account or freezing it because they were very bitchy over there. Or unintentionally, like they get busted, which they did. So, like, it, it still wasn't perfect, and it still wasn't instant, and you still couldn't just go get cash. Here, I mean, people got some ATM cards, but they had fees on them. Like, here you could actually walk up with no fees to any station casino. They're, they're all open 24 hours, of course. And just walk in and say, give me my cash. And they hand you cash. So... Of course, you have to be near a station casino to do that, but if you're not, you can also withdraw through bank transfers. But of course, again, you have to be in online poker, or sorry, you have to be in Nevada to play online poker on the site, ultimatepoker.com. So, will, will they cash you out if you leave the state, or do you have to be in the state to cash out no, as well? No, you can, you can mm-hmm. cash out if you leave the state. You just can't okay. play. The okay. only thing you can do is play. So... Uh, what- what, what do you think the chances are of this, like, latching on and going, like, what would it take to go national? I don't know how it works with all the legislation and all this crap, but, uh, you know, is it possible that other states could opt in, like, very easily? I don't know how easily, and that's that's kind of what I'm wondering. I know New Jersey is ready to do this. I don't know how ready, but I know, I know that they've discussed doing it. And Nevada has been positioning themselves as the gaming experts. Nevada's been saying, look... Yes, any state to get their own system going. But how about how about you let us be the hub of the network? How about you let us be like the flagship skin? And we will run everything. Because in Nevada, we have experience with gaming. We have experience with gaming regulations. Yes, we have to write online regulations, which I don't know how they got this done so fast. But somehow they did. But you know, somehow this is legal to operate What they're doing on Ultimate Poker But uh, they're saying Look, we're the experts on gaming here in Nevada So let us run it Don't don't you, know, don't you over there in uh, I mean, at least New Jersey, they have Atlantic City But uh, for example uh, um, Let's say New York wanted to opt in Like New York, don't go start Trying to figure out how to Run a gaming company How to put, put gaming regulations in place Don't go to try to figure out How to Manage all this from a legal perspective. We already have that down here in Nevada. Let us run it. You just opt in and we'll take care of everything for a fee. And what I imagine a fee is going to be will probably be some sort of uh, percentage of the rake. Kind of like what happens with skins of networks. Uh, I don't know this for sure. That's just my guess. But that's Nevada is definitely pitching that they want to be the hub. They want to be the main site which runs everything and the other states will kind of just be skins of Nevada that opt in, where they can 
have their own players sitting at the same table as Nevada players. We really do need that. And if you want to hear how badly it's needed, um, I'm looking right now at Ultimate Poker. and you can So you can go download the software and look yourself. You don't need to be in Nevada to do this. But um, let me tell you all the games that are running right now. Now, admittedly, this is the first day. It has not even been up 24 hours. So I, it's actually doing fairly well, considering that it just went up. But at the same time, everyone's excited about it. It's like a new toy. And whether it maintains this level of excitement remains to be seen. But here's what they have running right now. You have a full-table nine-player game of $10... Uh, sorry, $10. $0.10, cent, $0.25, cent, no limit. Table of $0.05, cent, $0.10, cent, no limit. Another $0.05, cent, $0.10, cent, no limit. A... Uh, two six maxes of dollar two dollar no limit, four six maxes of fifty cent dollar no limit, uh, one five player game of one cent two cent no limit, uh, two short handed fifty cent dollar no limit, uh, China Maniac. I know you're a limit player like I am, and yeah. uh, you'll be happy to know there is a limit game running. Five ten limit with with two players. Yeah, I got it up too. There's there's also a. Uh... $100 heads up, sit and go, no limit turbo going right now, okay. too. And then we have uh, also a 5 cent, 10 cent limit game. But that's it. And then we, I guess we have some sit and goes, too. Let me see. Yeah, as you said, there's a $100 uh, sit and go running. And there's some tournaments, but I don't think there's anything running yet. Yeah, they're just. Uh, Here, here's the problem. I mean, I think I saw that their rep posted on 2 plus 2 today that they wanted to make it user friendly. Now. I mean, these limit games, these might not even be beatable. There's no rake back. You get stations points. I mean, 510 and 10-20 limit. And I just know from playing those types of games a lot over the years that without, like, a good rake back deal, I mean, they're, they're very hard to beat. I mean. Well, yeah, you bring up an interesting point. Uh, first of all, I'm sure just about everybody you see on there today is either a pro or a reasonably good player. You're not going to see donkeys on here today because it's the first day. And the only people who ran down to deposit cash at the stations are people who were excited about this, who really, really wanted to play poker. And those are poker fanatics, most of whom are either good or okay, like, slash decent. So I think it'll take some time to get people on this site who are uh, not good, who are fish. That's the first problem. Uh, the second problem, of course, and the bigger problem, is that it's Nevada only. And it just does not have the player pool in Nevada, even if you count the tourists. Why? Well, because when somebody vacations in Las Vegas, they don't want to sit around and play online poker. Online poker is something you do when you're at home, when you're bored, when you uh, you, you don't want to get out of your underwear. You just want to sit around in your underwear on the couch and still be able to play poker and not drive anywhere and be in the comfort of your own home. That's why people like online poker so much. That's why the casual player likes online poker so much. Um, this is not going to really work, I believe, for people visiting Nevada other than diehard online poker players, winning players who just want to jump in and try to beat the fish or who are just jonesing to play online poker again after all this time. But the average tourist is not going to say, oh, good, I'm in Nevada. I have all these options what to do. There's so many things to do in Las Vegas, so many things to gamble on in Las Vegas, but no, I'm going to sit around in front of a machine and play online poker. I'm not going to play live poker. I'm going to play online poker. I'm going to come all the way to Las Vegas and play online poker. That's never going to happen. 
You have a few who do it, but that's not going to be the majority of the player pool. The majority of the player pool will be locals, and unfortunately, probably locals who are either pros or close to being pros. So I'm afraid the games won't be very good, and as China Maniac said, there's no rake back. You're going to get some kind of station points for it, and it's not clear how many points you're going to get. But uh, I have to imagine it's not going to be equivalent to something like 30% rake back. So it might be hard to beat games that you were only beating before because of rakeback. And if you're sitting in a tough game, it is hard to beat that game in the long run without rakeback because the rake really eats you. And even with uh, the occasional lousy player that sits there, you, you just need a lot of those type of players if you want to make a profit there and beat the rake. So, yes, that could be a big problem. These games may not be viable as far as really making a living from them. Sure, it'll be fun to play legal online poker. Sure, it'll be cool to win something and go to the station casino and have them hand you $100 bills instead of hassling with months or weeks for cash outs that may or may not ever come. But uh, this, I think, has a long way to go before it's something that's viable for professional poker players to do as a career like they used to prior to Black Friday. That's my opinion on it. And I think this is a great first step. And it's because we need to get the ball rolling. And now the ball's rolling. Now we have a legalized online poker room. And if this is not a complete failure, even if the games suck, if it can operate without scandals, without problems, if it makes money, if the state gets their cut and station casinos do well with it, if it's not seen as a failure or something that's dogged by a bunch of scandals, then other states will look at it and say, wow, this is pretty cool. This is pretty easy. This is free money for us. All right, let's opt into this. That's what we need, and that's eventually how online poker is going to be legalized at a federal level. If we get enough states opting in, then eventually it will look more appealing to the federal government to just make it to where a federal room can exist. To where states don't have to individually opt into Nevada's rooms, but to where uh, you know a company can open up and say anyone in the country can come in. Sort of like an opt-out sort of thing, where states can say we don't want people gambling here online but where, by default, everyone in the United States can initially sign up and play. But that Just won't happen. What, what was that? Hopefully, hopefully a lot of these fail states don't, like, see this as a moneymaker and be like, oh, we'll just do our own. Uh, you know, it's not going to really work and blow up huge unless, you know, everybody's integrated into the same pool. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, like, I think California or New York, they could probably handle having their own rooms because their population is so huge. But... Yes, it would be best if just all the states got together and put their player pools in the same you know, the same network and it will make as big of a player pool as possible and it will be kind of like a pseudo-national room. And even though several states won't be part of it, even if most states are not part of it, if you have a number of states cooperating, everything goes well and these states make money from it, it'll really start to put pressure on the federal government to allow this on a federal level. And um, this is kind of really laying the groundwork for the future. Online poker will be legal sometime in the future to play in the United States, no matter where you are. 
unless you're in a state that just absolutely doesn't want it. Like I could see maybe Utah or something will never have it. But uh, most states in the union will eventually have online poker. It's a matter of when. So you need a first step like this, and we have it now. Now, what about the software? Uh, China Maniac, how do you feel about the software? Did you take a look at it? Yeah, I think the I think it looks fine. The interface on the um, you know when the when you open the software, all the interface. I mean, it looks pretty good. It's easy to read. It actually looks a lot better than like most poker sites that I've seen over the years. Um, as far as playing, I haven't really watched any hands yet, so I don't know how it looks when everything's being dealt. But it looks very clean to me. It does uh, look do clean. Think? I agree. It it is clean. Um, I will say that. Um, the gameplay itself is kind of primitive looking. It's a little bit disappointing for 2013. Like, a, uh, I'm going to bring up a table right now. Bring up a 50 cent, one dollar, no limit. Okay, so I'm watching it here, and uh, it looks like number one, it looks like you can't even upload your own avatars. It looks like you have to use their pre-programmed avatars. So one guy here, you're hearing the sound effects. One guy is an ATM machine. Ha ha ha. Uh, another guy's a sock puppet. Another guy just has no picture. Uh, as you hear, very generic chip sound effects. You can turn these off, of course, if you want. Um, and the table looks just very generic. If someone showed me this site and said, this was some software that was running in 2000, I'd actually believe them. There's nothing advanced or innovative or new here that uh, makes you feel like you're playing on a modern site. At the same time, it doesn't look like a complete fail site either. It just looks kind of simple. And there's always room for improvement, too. You can always upgrade software. Right, right. I mean, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is the software works. And, uh, you know, it it would be nice if they had some innovations. But I I guess being new to the market, you can only hope for a a well-working site with a good random number generator, without bugs, with a good... Tolerance for connections, because that's a big thing. Um, a lot of you are familiar with the problems we have on this radio show, with the show disconnecting abruptly. And then, you know, it reconnects, and sometimes I have to combine like nine different parts of the show when it crashes while I'm broadcasting. The reason this happens is because the radio server is not very robust. When the connection gets lost, the radio server, the radio server panics very easily, and... Uh, just disconnects everything. It doesn't wait to see if it reconnects. It doesn't have much tolerance for a quick disconnect. Uh, unfortunately, some poker sites are like this too. And as you've probably seen on the uh, crappier poker softwares, uh, software you've played on, sometimes you'll get disconnected and you just don't recover from it. Even though your connection is completely back, the site doesn't recognize it and you get timed out and you, your hand gets folded and it can be very frustrating. So I, I hope that they have things like that tested, and I hope they knew to look for things like this. And I guess we won't hear about the bugs and problems here until people play some. So I haven't read the whole long 2 plus 2 thread about this, but uh, I will be interested to see how many of these growing pains sort of problems that they already beat in beta testing. So... Uh, Of course, the most important thing is that the games are just uh, working and that they're offered and that it's easy for players to deposit. 
I went through the process already. This is what I had to do. I downloaded the software off ultimatepoker.com. Um, then you create an account in the normal way you would do on an online poker site. Uh, they want your social security number, but they swear they're going to delete it from their database. They claim they just need it for verification. Uh, you have to put your date of birth, of course your full name, um, address, but that's not really that important what address you put, email address, station casino, card number if you have it, and then it tries to do some sort of auto-verification based upon what you entered. Now, strangely enough, it could not auto-verify me. It just said, you know, we, we don't know if that's... If the information you entered doesn't match. So for some reason, even though I entered everything correctly, they said that they could not verify that I am who I said I was. This might be because I was born in early 1972... And my social security number was a 1971 social security number that they reused in 1972 for the baby born in the first few months. Figuring, you know, why does this matter? We have leftover social security numbers from 71. Because 71, there was a, a low incidence of, uh, of births. Much lower than expected. So they said, hey, well, rather than let these numbers go to waste, we'll reuse them. You know, who cares? Well, what ended up happening is all the databases that show years of birth corresponding with social security numbers have me listed incorrectly. So my social security number says I should be born in 71, and I'm actually born in 72, which makes some of these systems freak out. I don't know if that's what happened here, but they could not verify me, and I had to do it manually with them by emailing them. I will give them credit that when I emailed support, they were very quick about it in responding, and I did get this uh, settled by sending my ID and stuff like that, and I am verified to play on the site now. Uh, I have they, not played the yet. Same, the same thing happened to me, Druff. Um, hmm. They couldn't verify my social or my cell phone number. They said they were both already active in the database. That's what it said when I tried oh, to sign Oh, it. oh, 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 that's the other problem. Actually, they did, they, they, that that's another bug they have on the site. Um, when you click, like, create account, it just sits there. Right. And you feel like maybe it didn't take, so you click it again. It turns out that it's actually, it's actually processing, and then when you click it again, it processes a second time, and it's not smart enough to say, hey, the person double-clicked, so let's just right. ignore that second click. So what happens is you get that dumb message, you're already in our database. Now, I figured that out, and I just closed it and just logged in with my info, and it took it. But it did right. say, if you, go, if you go to... So the way you see if you're verified or not is uh, you go to the thing that says Wallet on, on the top of the screen in, in the main lobby... Uh, account and then wallet and in the wallet which is kind of like your cashier if you click on account info it'll have uh, or not account account status is what you click on it'll say email address verified or unverified if you haven't verified it yet mobile phone verified which they verify by sending you a text message you text back age and ID verified and Nevada location verified so, if these are not verified, you have to email support and have them help you. Now, you can do everything but the Nevada location if you're not in Nevada. So, like, you China Maniac who's not in Nevada, you can verify your email, your mobile phone, your, your agent ID, and even deposit and be all ready to play for when you come to Vegas. So, right. uh, have you done that yet, or you, you just got stuck there because of that weird message? I... I received an email, so I knew that something uh, happened, and I received a text as well. But um, 
I didn't deposit or anything like that yet, but I'm pretty sure the accounts act the my my you know I'm in the database so. Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll be ready to go before I head to Nevada. Another thing I wanted to say was uh, how I don't understand how can couldn't like a big corporation like uh, Harris Caesars or uh, I don't understand how they couldn't have got a room up faster than anybody with all I don't the resources that either. and money they have. I don't understand that either. They even have WSOP.com. Like like why are they not running first? Why why did they let stations sneak in there? I, I don't understand that either. And uh, people are asking, by the way, who are just joined us, what are we talking about? We're talking about ultimatepoker.com, the first legal online poker site for Nevada residents only where you can play real money poker right now. So uh, SimpDog saying in chat, big companies run slow. And I can also tell you that Caesars are just kind of incompetent in general. So it doesn't surprise me that uh, Station beat them to the punch. So, Maybe they're working on something bigger, bigger though. Um, didn't like uh, the Rio or the World Series of Poker say that they would deal like a real money hand by the time like the World Series came or something like that? I mean, I'm sure that's their goal to have it by, you know. By, well, yeah. By the, they promised whatever. their seven star members that in 2013 they'll be able to play online poker in Nevada. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, and it's, it sounds likely now that. Uh, we see Ultimate Poker is up and running, and it's only April 30th. I have to think that uh, WSOP.com couldn't be that far behind. And uh, and that's another question is, with all the competition, right now there's only one game in town, Ultimate Poker. But what about when the, you know, the South Point gets their room up? What about when Caesars gets their room up on WSOP.com? That's going to be a huge competition. Uh, what about uh, MGM if they run a room? Like, there's going to be a number of rooms that try to run that are going to compete with one another. I think it's going to... Uh, either we're going to have some that are complete ghost towns, or they're all going to siphon players from each other, and they'll all be kind of ghost towns. Be like lock poker all over again, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, and, uh, I, you know, something that, that concerns me a little bit about this whole situation, you know, Beeb said in our chat, they should hire Druff as a consultant for tips on designing the website. Now, honestly, they should hire me to, as a consultant for everything, because a you know, few people know more about uh, what makes a good and bad online poker experience, both from the technical standpoint and the customer service standpoint, than me. I'm not saying I'm the only one who could do this job, but uh, like me or someone like me, even China Maniac, he'd be another good person to hire for this. Someone who, who's just very, very familiar with the whole process and, and can just run through your site and tell you what's good and what sucks, and, and that you'll know they're probably speaking for the majority of online poker players. Uh, what bothers me a little bit about this, I'm going to go over to... Uh, their about page on ultimatepoker.com is I don't see anybody like that. Even though Terrence Chan claims to be involved, I, I'm wondering what his involvement really is. But here's what's listed as our team. Is our team. Tom Breitling, co-founder and chairman. Tobin Pryor, CEO. Chris DeRossi, chief technology officer. Joe Versace, chief marketing officer. And then uh, Frank and Lorenzo Fertitta, who actually uh, own the station casinos. So uh, that's the team. Uh, now, apparently, Terrence Chan has some involvement here. I'm not sure what it is. But Terrence Chan has some involvement. And, you know, he would be a good guy to have. But I, on the other hand, I don't know. I mean, Terrence Chan has not really been grinding online poker in a long time. Uh, he's a very, very good player. There's no doubt about that. He's a smart guy. Uh, he seems to be a good guy. But uh, I, I haven't seen him, like sitting, grinding, like, hours and hours and hours of online poker in quite some time. 
And like, is he going to be the one who really, is he really the right one to go through it and tell them what is good and what isn't good, what they need to change? Like, I, I don't know if he's the right guy for it. He might be, but I, I just don't really think of him as, as that type. I think of like a, an active grinder as someone who's been like active on two plus two posting about uh, faults and bugs and stuff in these rooms. That's what you need. Well, the one thing he has going for him, didn't he work for like poker stars behind the scenes, like he at did. their like home offices and stuff like that? He did. In fact, I, you know, he I go so far back on poker stars. I remember when I used to deal with him in support. Uh, okay. He was like the head of support or something. But uh, um, I even met him one time at uh, some poker stars event before he was a player on there. But uh, yeah, he he did work for poker stars in the support capacity. So I was, he's not a bad choice. I just hope he's I, I hope he's actively involved. And right. uh, but they don't even mention him on the web page. And uh, the, Antonio Esfandiari is involved, but you know he's not going to get actively involved. He's just the face of the site. And uh, you know, as far as the face of the site, he's okay. You know, he doesn't really have scandals surrounding him. He had that eighteen million dollar win last year, so you know people like him. I think he's a, a good choice for a face of the site. But he's not someone who's going to uh, be advocating for the players, so to speak. Right. He. Uh, he probably doesn't know really anything about online poker. Yeah, so. um, but he is a good face to have around Vegas as far as if they're going to plaster his face everywhere or commercials, come play online poker here. I mean, he'd be good for that sort of thing. But as far as looking out for the players, I definitely agree. He's not the right yeah, guy. Yeah, so... Uh, kind of so, like Mike Mizraki with Lock Poker, you know? He's yeah, not exactly. He's got to look out for the players. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, they have some weird tie-in to the uh, Ultimate uh, Fighting Championship, UFC. And uh, someone told me that it's because the guys who own Station Casino also own the UFC. Do you know that to be true? What was that? That uh, Say that again? They have some tie-in with the UFC, which is kind of a weird tie-in to an online poker room. But uh, suppo- someone said that they actually own the UFC, Station Casinos. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, not sure at all. I know that... Um... There's a couple guys that I think own the most of uh, the UFC now. Maybe it is these guys that are on the website here, and they're trying to brand it in with the ultimate poker thing. Um, I'm not 100% sure on that, though. Yeah. So yeah, maybe you can hire a Joe Seabock. I heard he's looking for a job. Maybe he can be the, <laughs> he can be the player advocate. But, but, but that would be a good thing if it's tied in with the UFC. I mean, all that marketing, you know, at the UFC events and billboards and whatnot, I mean, it'd be a good thing to tie in, you know? Yeah. Um, just to give them exposure around Nevada. Yeah. I'm sure they uh, they have some plan for it. So uh, that's what's going on with the, the Ultimate Poker Room. And uh, now, how does it know you're in Nevada? And that's been fascinating me. Because I've always been a technical guy. Like, I, I I was fascinated with computers and electronic devices back when I was, like, four years old, even the primitive stuff back then. And uh, I, I majored in computer science. So whenever I see something like this where they claim they're going to locate you and use that location to determine whether you're eligible to play, that fascinates me because I want to know how they're doing it, how they can be accurate, how they can make sure they get they don't get false positives or false negatives because either one is a problem. You have a guy who's in Nevada that wants to play and it says he's not, that's a problem. And what's a bigger problem for them potentially is if people are able to play not in Nevada, it could threaten their license. So I was looking into this last night. The way they're verifying you is with your cell phone of all things, which I didn't expect. But you have to enter your cell phone number 
It then texts you, and I'm going to read the text you get. Um, let me uh, let me read the text that it sent me last night. It says, "Welcome to Ultimate Poker. To enroll in location services and play, reply yes." So I answered yes, and it says, "Ultimate Poker location verification is enabled. Log in and play." Well. How is it doing location services? Now, uh, that's an interesting thing to think about because um, all you're doing is texting them yes. But how does that, how does texting someone yes give them the ability to see your phone? You don't have to download an app or anything. So I really wondered how the hell does it know where I am? Just because I say, yeah, enable my location service. What the hell does that mean? How are they able to see where my phone is? Well, I, I, was fascinated by this and I decided to read up on it. And while, of course, they didn't reveal their exact technology and what they're doing, I found that uh, they are cooperating with the, uh, I think, the three big uh, cell phone providers, T-Mobile, Verizon, and AT&T, and are actually getting information from the networks of AT&T, Verizon, and T-Mobile to where they're actually asking, like let's say you have, let's say you have an AT&T phone, they're actually asking AT&T hey, take a look at this guy's phone, tell us if he's really in Nevada and AT&T says yes or no and if the answer is yes, you can play, if it's no, you can't now, isn't that scary? Like, does that mean just anyone can find your phone at any time and find where you are? Well, yes and no there's the technology to do it, but uh, these companies do not allow anyone to do it unless they get permission, and that's what this text message was about that you receive. The text message about to enter, to uh, enable location services, and sorry, enroll in location services. You're basically saying I'm giving you permission to ask AT&T where I am, and I'm giving AT&T permission to tell you where I am at all times. So that's what's going on here. Now, how is it doing it? Is it using the GPS in your phone? Sort of. What I have determined, I'm not sure about this, but this is what I've determined from my research on AT&T location services, which I'm sure are pretty similar to the ones employed by Verizon and T-Mobile, is that um, they're using a combination of your cell phone towers that your phone is talking to and your GPS on your phone. The cell phone tower is to give a rough location of where you are. So, uh, for example, if it ask your phone where you are and it comes back to New York, it doesn't have to look any further. But if it comes back to Nevada, then it asks the phone, okay, using your GPS, where are you? And then the phone says where it is. That, that's basically what's happening, without getting too technical, from what I found last night. So uh, it, it's using the uh, the cell phone towers your, your, your phone is talking to. If, for those of you that don't know how it works, most of you know by now, but when you have a cell phone it's picking up a signal from a nearby tower and communicating back and forth with it. When you're making a cell phone call, your cell phone sends the signal from your phone, you know, your, including your voice, over to the tower, and then the tower transmits it uh, over to the network and then you know, sends it over to whoever you're calling. So it's all going through a tower. The tower is kind of like the intermediary. W- without the tower, you could not use your cell phone. So the towers are... Uh, 
the, the towers have the data of all the phones that are communicating with them. In fact, that's sometimes how they locate people when they're accused of crimes. Um, if, if I'm accused of murdering someone in Fresno, for example, one way I could prove that I wasn't in Fresno is having them checking my cell phone towers and seeing if my cell phone was showing up on the Fresno towers. Now, of course, I could leave my phone home or give it to someone else to, to trick them, but provided that they believe I had my phone with me, then um, the towers are a very strong piece of evidence as to roughly where you are that's used many times in criminal cases. So, uh, as someone said in the chat, that's the way cops bust people using cell phone history. So, that's basically what they're using here, is uh, they're finding out what tower your your cell phone's talking to, and if it's in Nevada, then it really makes sure by checking your GPS at that point. So, that is how they're doing it, from what I can tell. Now, how beatable is this? Can you trick Ultimate Poker into thinking that you're in Nevada when you're not? Well, I'm not going to give anyone a tutorial because I don't want to be teaching people how to break the law here on this show. I can tell you that it is not difficult to fake your GPS. And when I say not difficult, I don't mean it's like really easy, but it's not something that uh, takes a genius to do. But it is extremely difficult, if not impossible, to fake your cell phone tower. Unless you go the low-tech way and just leave your phone with someone you know in Nevada. I'm not revealing anything amazing here. I'm sure everyone has thought of if it's verifying you through your cell phone, then why not just drop your cell phone or get some kind of crappy cell phone, second phone for yourself, leave it with someone you know in Nevada, and then you know claim you live there or claim you're just visiting there for the long term. Now, I don't have an answer as to what they do about that situation. That's the weird thing about verifying someone through a cell phone is that it's so easy to beat by just leaving the cell phone in Nevada. But I have to imagine that they're probably doing some sort of dual verification with cell phones and IPs to where if they're seeing that your cell phone shows you in Nevada, but if your IP is somewhere that's out of state, that at some point it's going to flag you and they'll investigate it. And if it turns out that you were full of shit, they're going to close your account. Yeah, but there's a way around that too. I mean, you can use that program, go to mypc.com and just leave a PC. You could rent an apartment in Las Vegas or whatever and just leave the thing on and it will just pull up that computer and your IP will be traced back to that computer. Right, and so that brings up another point. Is uh, Number one, are they going to try to put in countermeasures to see if people are running uh, these sorts of programs in the background? And try to clamp down on it that way. And and the better thing, the better question is, are we going to have a lot of people that are trusting poker players they know in Nevada to let them play on their computer and not and not report what their hole cards are to their opponents? True. I mean, that's you know, there's going to be people that want to play online poker and will do this cell phone thing. They'll just you know buy a cell phone and just leave it in Nevada with a friend. And they'll have a friend set up a computer for them that they can just uh, log into and use remotely, and you know, using that friend's IP in Nevada. But that friend will be able to physically walk up to the computer and see their whole cards. So you have right. to really, really, really trust that person if you do this, or otherwise they could super use you Russ Hamilton style. 
I mean, I you mean, have to really, get, really trust them. Get a cheap apartment and just, you know, you could go back and forth or use it sometimes. I mean, if you're playing high enough stakes, I mean, you could just rent an apartment and do that, you know, just put your put your equipment there. And that's what um, I'm wondering about. I'm really wondering how much of that is going to occur because these are, we're, we're not having unique thoughts here. We're not we're not geniuses here figuring out that uh, there's ways to get around these restrictions. Like, the, uh, the more the more stakes they the higher stakes they put on here, the more people are going to try and uh, you know if they don't move there. I mean, there's certainly going to be some people that are going to try and manipulate the system if there's higher stakes. Yeah, and and uh, I actually got a, a message during the show from an insider, an insider to Ultimate Poker. I actually I, I know insiders in a lot of places, and this is I have one in Ultimate Poker who told me that they are going to have higher limits. Right now, they don't have the highest limits. They only have a 10-20 limit as the highest and a 5-10 no limit, which plays bigger than 10-20 limit. But, uh, yeah, I'd say 5-10 no limit is about equivalent to 30-60 limit. So, uh, that's the highest they have right now. But, but yes, as they increase the limits, which they're supposedly going to do, according to this insider, then there's going to be a lot more incentive for poker pros that don't want to live in Nevada to game the system. Now, something I don't know and I haven't looked into yet is what kind of uh, punishment there will be for those caught doing this. And I'm sure that's going to be something, you know, I'm sure the shit's going to hit the fan at some point, especially if a lot of people are doing this and, and they start to become afraid that their license is in jeopardy. Because, you know, Station Casino doesn't give a shit where you live. They they don't they just wanted their money. The problem is they do give a shit about their license. So I wonder what the penalty is. John Stamos in the chat just said death. <laughs> that that <laughs> would probably, deter that would deter people. Yeah. But I, I wonder they'll probably, they'll probably freeze the funds and you probably get a hearing or something in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. I mean state uh gaming commission. Yeah, I'm wondering what happens. Like like what is the consequence if you're caught? Is there criminal charges against you? Do they just confiscate the money if they can prove it? Or do they just kick you off the side and give you your money? Kind of like when you get caught card counting, uh you don't get arrested, you don't get charged with anything, you just in fact you get your money, but they're allowed to kick you out and say never come back. So, like, are they just going to boot you and say you're banned from the site for life but give you your money? Or do they confiscate your money? If they do, who keeps it? And uh, is it possible anyone could be criminally charged for sneaking onto the site? So, uh, you know, I'm wondering if uh, also there's going to be people who try to run, like, little services. Like, hey, I'm a Nevada resident, Um, you know, for such and such per month. You can use my uh, you can use my VPN. You can use my you can use my PC with go to my PC. I have a cell phone set up here. You can claim to use like the. Is, are there going to be people that try to start up a shady business this way to enable online poker for other online poker players? And I would never trust someone who does something like that. I would think they're going to look at my whole cards. I mean, I would guess that there will be. I mean, if it gets big enough and people, you know, people don't want to move there. Um, I know that there's services set up in Canada and overseas where, you know, you could basically just buy your PC and, you know, just uh, go through somebody. But it's just a matter of whether you trust them or not. So. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing, the trust. And, and, and I think someone who has that type of business, I could see them being arrested and charged. But as far as doing it yourself, as far as just enabling yourself to do it, 
without some sort of conspiracy to help others do it. I wonder if they would actually criminally charge anyone, or if they even can criminally charge anyone. I don't know that law, but I think it would be interesting to look into. And uh, it'll be also interesting to see how aggressive these sites are to figure out that people are gaming the system, or if they're just going to do the very minimum and then say, hey, we don't give a shit, because in reality we're happy to have any players on here. So... I think we're going to start hearing about a different type of scams going on. People looking at others' whole cards through this. Uh, um, uh, other things related to these uh, shady ways for people to get on these sites. Because you know there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to play these, especially if the games ever become good, uh, without moving to Nevada. So we'll have to see about that. What's going to be interesting is to see if there's going to be any inside scandals from, like, poker room managers or, you know, people siphoning players. I mean, it could cost casinos licenses. Um, you know, of course, they want to be up. The goal is to keep your license and make money. But, you know, if you get one shady character working in there, you know, that uh, things could get interesting at any time. You never yeah, know. Yeah, like if people stole email addresses and, yeah, and then, like, maybe emailed out, uh, you know, hey, join this other poker room. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of potential for things that... Uh, can happen, though obviously this is a much safer environment to play, much, much For safer. Sure. And of course, if anybody cheats you here, then there could be a real investigation and people will really go to jail and you really, you, you'll have actually uh, action likely against the online site itself for negligence, or especially if their own people do it. Unlike where UB cheats you and you're screwed. There's nothing you can do about it. Full tilt cheats you and you're screwed. Like the, here, you won't be screwed. Here, there's actually someone you can complain to, and you, there's legal remedies that you'll be able to use. And that's the best part here, along with the very fast and reliable cash outs. So, uh, oh, another thing, uh, bad guy mentioned. He says, "I'm happy they have e-checks." I mean, do your e-checks have to clear? I wonder if they'll give you credit on those. I doubt it, because you know, I mean, but that's another thing. I mean, if you if if there's a way to roll them on e-checks, you'll get prosecuted for that as well. Yeah. Well, I wonder what Yepsite's going to be doing. I wonder if Yepsite will be rolling e-checks and then quickly coming into Nevada, dumping it all off, and then leaving Nevada before they can arrest him. I could see him doing that. <laughs> I mean, uh, Yepsite was the king of e-checks. I'll give him that. But uh, I'm just saying, like, you know that casinos don't fuck around when it comes to fraud. So, I mean... You know, if somebody tries, if you roll them on an e-check and you don't pay it back, I'm sure, you know, you'll be going to court or something. Yeah, that's a good point, though, that uh, people were used to rolling these sites on e-checks and getting away with it. And and here they can't. And it may right. be an adjustment for people who are used to saying, well, you know, I don't really have this money, but I'm such a degenerate. I'm going to gamble a thousand dollars I don't have. Well, right. you, you try to do this here, you're going to have trouble. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I wonder when we'll hear about the first arrest for people uh Rolling e checks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a Good lot point. to look forward to. Yeah, here. I didn't think of that, but that's, that's very interesting point. <laughs> so, so all right. Uh, so that's going on. With uh, I think that eventually, when online poker is legalized a lot more than it is right now, and we can play on a much wider scale, I think we'll look back at April thirtieth, two thousand thirteen, which is the date of this broadcast and see it as a historic day for online poker. Uh, Much in the same way that people look back at Chris Moneymaker's World Series win in 2003 and uh, other events like that that were very big for online poker or for poker in general. Uh, I think this will be a historic day and people just don't really 
realize it yet. It's it's almost like uh, when you meet a girl you really like, but it's like the first date, and you can't say, oh, this is a historic day in my life, but at the same time you think, hmm, I wonder if this is going to change my life. I wonder if that's the girl I'm going to be with forever. And uh, so I think it's kind of like that. I think this is a date that it's it's hard in some ways to look forward to the future and say this is really significant, but I think it, I think it is. And For sure. I, I don't know when we will see online poker that everyone can play and online poker games that are actually good and something that can be used by the professional poker player to play for a living without leaving his house, like the good old days. But I, I think that day will come back and once it comes back, it'll be better because you won't have to worry about trusting these sites. And I think everyone's trust has been abused so badly over the last several years that everyone's ready for a site that is regulated by the government and that you have some sort of recourse when shadiness occurs. Because right now you have none with the sites that are unregulated. Which brings me to my next point and our next topic. Lock Poker, who I talk about just about every single week on this show. I'm sure you're all sick of hearing about Lock Poker. This is really their worst week ever. Remember that uh, that show, I think it was on MTV or something, or Comedy Central, like, best week ever? This was worst week ever for Lock Poker. And that's saying a lot, because they, they've had a lot of bad stuff over the last few years. They had that Jira scandal where one of their own pros cheated in one of their contests, and they covered it up and tried to award in the prize anyway. They had the casino bonus scandal where they promised people casino bonuses as extra rake back and then reneged on the promise and and, uh, dragged the whole thing out for a year. Um, We've had one scandal after another with them at Lock Poker. But this week was the absolute worst. It, It really hit rock bottom over there. And I've been saying for a long time that they're broke. And they are. Have I seen their bank accounts? No. But I, I'm sure that they're broke from all of their actions. And I've explained that before on this show. But uh, let me tell you what happened this week. Uh, a guy showed up on 2 Plus 2. I wonder what date this was. This was on... It's just, uh, just amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, this, this began uh, nine days ago. April 21st. I didn't hear about it till uh, April 26th, though. April 21st, uh, a guy named the Juggernaut showed up on 2 Plus 2. When I say showed up, that's uh, not really accurate. The Juggernaut is a longtime 2 Plus 2 user. He's been on there since August 2009. He has 4,500 posts on 2 Plus 2. He's respected. Uh, He's a high-limit player. He's not shady. Nothing wrong with the Juggernaut. He showed up and said that he got the following email regarding a $10,000 withdrawal that he's had in process for quite some time, for months, by Lock Poker. Hello, Juggernaut. Your withdrawal has been rejected due to our strict policy of not allowing the withdrawal of transferred funds. A player is only allowed to transfer funds if they are being sent with the sole intent of the receiver using them to play. The only exceptions ever made are with a true staking account or affiliate earnings. This is reviewed on a case-by-case basis. This decision is final. Best, Joseph Stone. I like how it's signed best. Best. Lock poker and has a phone number, which I should try to call after this segment. So uh, the guy freaked out. 
here he's waiting for his freaking cash out for months of 10k. And he has a lot more to cash out, but uh, you know he did his 10k cash out, waits months, everything seems fine other than the long wait, and then he gets this obnoxious email about his his withdrawal has been rejected months after the fact because of transfers that uh, he had received in the past. So and then they said the decision is final. They weren't even saying like you know hey to explain this transfer. So of course he panicked and rightfully so, and went to two plus two, and he let everybody know. That he was not one of these guys who just got a transfer and tried to withdraw the money. This was not just some dude who, who said, "Hey, you owe me money, pay me back on lock, got it," and then tried to hit the cash out button. It wasn't like that. This is an active high limit player on lock. He submitted this withdrawal request of 10k months ago. Hasn't made a transfer since, either out or in, and has played a lot of poker since then on lock. So this guy's an active grinder on lock. This is not some. Asshole who just uses them as a bank. He's grinded thousands in rake, right? Yes. Since then. Since since he got his last transfer. Mm-hmm. And he was a regular player before that, too. So, uh, obviously, he was very unhappy. So, Shane, who's the uh, smarming and, and double-talking lock poker rep, very condescending and, and dishonest guy, the guy whose job it is to keep everyone believing that lock poker isn't shady when they are. To keep everybody believing that Lock Poker has money when they don't, he showed up in the thread and accused Juggernaut of being a manipulator of Lock Money trading. So, uh, what is a manipulator of Lock Money trading? What the hell does that mean? Let me explain. Uh, lock Poker's cash outs have been so awful, and this is for everyone in the world, not just the U.S. players. The cash outs are just terrible there. That people on two plus two are selling their Lock Money for fifty cents on the dollar or less. Yeah, I've less, seen you know. I've seen forty five. I've seen forty three. I've seen thirty something, uh, like thirty five today. But at the time, wow. it was like fifty cents on the dollar. Mm-hmm. So, so the way it would work is you go on two plus two and say, "Hey, uh, I got a thousand dollars on lock. If you send me five hundred dollars to Bank of America, I'll ship you my thousand on lock, and it's yours." Now, lock does not object to this. Lock is like, "Okay, cool, you can do that. We allow that." But Shane claimed. The juggernaut was part of a ring of people who were buying up the lock money at 50 cents on the dollar and then using affiliate accounts to withdraw it quickly at full value. But, but what about these affiliate accounts? What am I talking about? How, how can they withdraw quickly? Well, Shane admitted that lock poker, even though they're, they're, they have their four-month or more waits for withdrawal for all players on the site, that the affiliates, and these are the sites where you click on the lock banner, to sign up, uh, that the affiliates of Lock Poker are getting paid a lot more quickly. Because I guess what happens is the Lock Poker puts the affiliate commission in their Lock account, and then these people withdraw, and they're not required to play because that's just the way Lock pays them is, uh, you know, on their system, and then they're told to withdraw it. So the affiliates, when they withdraw from Lock Poker, they get the money a lot quicker. And Shane admitted that. He admitted that they have priority. <laughs> Which is which is a joke. Like, why why should affiliates have priority over the players? That's that's totally unfair. Everyone should be at the you know, <laughs> everyone should be withdrawing at the. It should be first come first serve. There's no reason they should have a priority, but they do. Anyway, so he's claiming that affiliates are now abusing this, and knowing that they can withdraw faster, they are buying up lock money cheaply, and then immediately withdrawing it, and then making money this way. Now, first of all, this shouldn't be lock's business. But second, this should be a very easy thing to figure out. All they have to do is look at the affiliates, look at the ones who are buying an ass load of money, 
uh, through transfers and, and who aren't playing and then trying to cash out that money, it's very easy to tell. I mean, I, I bet I could teach Benjamin to tell who's doing that and who's not. Very, very easy to tell this. Quickly. Well, the juggernaut's one, not one of these guys. The juggernaut swears he had nothing to do with this type of thing. He didn't even know it existed. He said, I got, yes, I've gotten some transfers because I'm a high-limit player. I have big swings. You know, um, sometimes I lose and bust my account. I need transfers to keep playing. But but the funny thing is, I have, he says, I haven't even gotten a transfer since I made my withdrawal request. And I've played a ton since then. I played a ton before that. I'm clearly not one of these guys. So, um, Shane's like, I don't know, security, they've, they've done a far-reaching investigation, they've, they've fingered who's guilty, so, you know, first he was accused of being guilty of this. Then Shane's saying, well, you know, if he, you're not guilty, it's possible you accidentally got included, so, so you know, email security and, and uh, they'll solve the whole thing for you. But as the 2 plus 2 thread progressed, several others came out of the woodwork with the identical story. And apparently pretty much anyone with a large withdrawal has said it canceled recently. And it's always some sort of false reason about being part of this non-existent affiliate cash-out ring. Always about uh, you can't cash out money you just received on transfer. So it's not, it's not even just a large withdrawals. I think it's anyone that has received any transfers and tries to cash out is getting auto-flagged and shut down on a cash-out. Yes, that, that happened, but it hadn't come out yet at this point in the story. Oh, okay. But you're right, okay. actually. You're right. So, okay. so then on five other people popped up in the thread immediately. All saying they had 10k withdrawals, all saying they got cancelled, all saying it was for this BS reason, some of whom even said, I've never done a transfer ever. I've deposited, I've played, I've never transferred to or from anyone. I still got cancelled, supposedly because of these transfers. So the whole thing was a, was a BS story. They just assumed everyone did a transfer at some point, and they could find an excuse to cancel it. So then, as China Maniac said, other people came out and said that uh, they got a message that uh, they can't, it's not, not just large withdrawals, that you just can't withdraw anything you ever received by transfer. The money's just stuck. So <laughs> the, the, here is yeah, the message. It's, it's not even like if you got like 200 transferred to you and you have like 2,000 in your account already and you just try to withdraw 1,500, they'll just flag it and shut it down. Right, that's what's even worse. Let me read you the uh, message someone got from... Lock Security on April 27th, just three days ago. And and then we'll explain further what Chani Mini was just talking about. This is from Steven at Lock Security. Hello. Thank you for your reply. There are no wagering requirements. Wagering requ- requirements referring to, like, how much do I have to keep playing to cash out money I transferred. So he said, there are no wagering requirements. Player transfers are ineligible for payouts. Should you require any further assistance, please do not hesitate to contact us. All our best, Stephen. I love this best and all our best. Like, like how disingenuous is that? But anyway, um, so Stephen here told this person that it's not even a matter of playing a lot after you get your transfer to prove that you're not just receiving a transfer and cashing it out. You actually cannot transfer, you cannot cash out any money you received on transfer, but it's even worse, like China Maniac said. If you receive any money via transfer, you can't cash out at all. Someone even came up with a funny idea. Why don't you just send a dollar to someone you hate, then they'll never be able to cash out a lock? It's unreal. 
So, so if you've ever received any cash out, they say, "Oh, you received a transfer. Well, you can't uh, you can't cash out transferred money. So uh, that means you can't cash out." So of course everyone freaks the fuck out when this happens, and everyone's saying, "You know, how can you do this?" First of all, it's ridiculous that if you receive money, that there's no way to cash it out. Otherwise, it's it's you know you haven't really received money. You, the money's worthless unless you can cash it out. And second, if it disables all cash outs, it just turned all your money into play money. And there's no way to reverse it. You can't go back in time and not get a transfer. So Shane came out and said, no, no, that's not true. It's, uh, you know, the, the, the lock security is confused. Uh, you know, we're, we're working on it. I don't know what there is to work on. But uh, he told everyone to email security and explain their situations and it, it, it'll be handled. Well, nothing's been handled. All people do is they get for, they get form letters back from Lock Security that don't answer the questions at all. And this situation is still, and remember, it began nine days ago on April 21st. It's still ongoing. No one has their their withdrawals re-enabled that were unfairly canceled due to this transfer BS. Now, now, what's going on here? There's a is Lock really the victim? Of these nasty affiliates that are taking advantage of their priority withdrawal status to buy up lock poker money really cheaply and then uh, withdraw it at full value, and uh, you know, are they abusing? No, no. It's possible it could be happening on an isolated basis, but Shane has not provided any evidence that anyone is doing this. He has not given a shred of evidence that this is really occurring. This is just a, an accusation against uh, phantom parties that are not being identified. He also can't explain why it is so difficult to identify the right people doing this and why all these people are being caught up and also why people suddenly can't withdraw at all if they've ever transferred. Can't explain any of that. But here's the truth. This is an excuse. This is a stalling maneuver. The reason they have to stall because they have no money. So Lock Poker, here they have all these 10K withdrawals in process. Here they have all these other small, smaller withdrawals in process. And they don't have the money to send to their payment processor to process these withdrawals. So what do you do? What do you do if you're Lock Poker? What do you do if you are flat broke and you have players expecting money from you? You can't just invent money out of the air. You have to do something. You can't say, hey, everybody, we're broke. Sorry, all your money's gone. All that money we're supposed to be holding for you safely is gone. Sorry, but keep playing here. Keep depositing here. They can't say that or their business is going to go under. So the only option they have at that point is to find a way to cancel the cash outs so they don't have to pay anyone the money they don't have. And this is the scheme they came up with. They came up with this scheme to claim that there's this nefarious group out there that's uh, taking advantage of the lock transfers. Now, what's so stupid is even if this story were true, none of this would even be happening if lock processed cash outs in a timely fashion and if they weren't giving affiliates priority to cash out. Right. <laughs> so they caused the problem anyway, even if it is real. But it's not right. real. And if it is real... It is not anywhere nearly as widespread as they're claiming. And I'm sure every single one of these people out in 2 plus 2 claiming they're innocent is innocent. These are long-time 
well-known grinders on the site at the highest limits, respected people. None of these guys are guilty of this little scheme to buy up lock money on the cheap and then cash it out on a priority affiliate system. They're not. These are regular players. And they're getting screwed because lock poker is broke and because you know a long time has passed and they're expecting their money. Lock poker knows they have no money, so they had to find a way to stall them. So what Lock Poker is probably planning to do is stall as long as possible with this whole transfer fiasco. Hope they get enough deposits in the meantime from the clueless who have no idea what's going on. I'm not I'm not even saying clueless in a derogatory way. I'm saying clueless like people who don't follow poker news very closely. Don't follow poker scandals very closely. That's why I opened this site, is because I, I want a place you can go to to read about things like this easily without having to dig through like a million two plus two threads. So they so what's going on here is uh, they're hoping to get enough deposits, pay out just about no one in the meantime, and hope to right the ship with enough deposits to start paying people out. At that point, claim they got the whole thing settled and sorry for the confusion, sorry for the misunderstanding. Now here's your money. And then people go, oh, look, Locke's cashing out again. Well, see, it was just a misunderstanding. No, it wasn't. They're doing this on purpose. They're doing this on purpose to stall because they are broke. Now, why are they broke? Well, we've heard some stories from inside sources. Can't name the sources, but I know Chinese Maniac has heard this as well. That uh, Locke got caught up in the Cypriot bank crisis. Yeah, the bank crisis over there in Cyprus. Which is kind of a complicated situation. I'm not going to... Someone wanted me to explain the whole thing, but uh, I'm not going to waste time on the show doing that. But uh, it's referred to as the 2012-2013 Cypriot financial crisis. And um, basically what happened was uh, the Cypriot banks were exposed to the Greek debt crisis. And, um, and then the... Cyprus economy got uh, downgraded to junk status by international rating agencies. And um, this created a domino effect to where the banks were in big trouble. And keep in mind, banking at Cyprus is huge because uh, there's a lot of foreign accounts that use Cyprus for banking. uh, Mainly because it's like a tax haven over there. They they don't cooperate with... uh, other countries regarding uh, seizing money or uh, reporting the money that's there. So it's, it's a, Cyprus is the uh, place that a lot of wealthy citizens in other countries use as a tax haven. Almost like a Swiss bank or something. You know, you always hear Swiss banks on TV where people keep their money, something like that. Yeah. So whenever you use something like this, you know, of course, you're always risking that uh, something shady is going to happen. And it kind of did there in Cyprus. And uh, the second largest bank, Cyprus Poplar Bank, uh, was uh, Cyprus agreed to close the bank on March 25th. And uh, it's estimated about 40% of all uninsured deposits in that... uh, um, uh, Sorry, all all the uninsured deposits can be gone from there. And 40% of uninsured deposits in the largest bank in Cyprus, uh, called the Bank of Cyprus, uh, will just be lost. Now, if you have insured deposits there of like 100,000 euros or less, which is about 125K U.S. dollars, uh, that won't be affected, only if they're insured. But any uninsured money in these banks 
especially in uh, Cypress Poplar Bank, is gone. So, supposedly this happened to Lock Poker. Supposedly they held player funds over there in one of these banks in Cyprus. And the money's gone. You know, and, and what's Lock going to do? Hey, sorry, we, we put your money in a shady bank and, and it's gone. Sorry, we're broke, we don't have any money, but hey, keep depositing. They're not going to say that. So, that's the story we've heard is what has occurred to Lock Poker. Now, that's not the only thing that occurred to Lock Poker. Just like the uh, the payment processor issues weren't the only thing that happened to Full Tilt Poker. But uh, in both cases, these were the straws that broke the camel's back. They already had so many problems. They were already kind of existing by the skin of their teeth. And this was the final straw. This was what really sent them into collapse. Now, people ask, what proof do you have that Locke really had money in the Cypress banks? I don't. I don't have proof. I can't give you proof. If I had it, I'd post it. I don't have it. I was told this. I was told this by someone who uh, is pretty reliable, who has reason to know these things. Is it possible this person's incorrect? Yes. Do I believe this person? Yes. Uh, Does it really matter? No, because the money's gone. What's very clear by Locke's behavior, all the things they've been doing, they're broke. This yeah, there's just it's there's just no way that you know rest of the world pays. I mean, they were taking three to four months, and now all these bullshit excuses. Uh, they they have there's no no nothing that can be said except they have to be broke. That's it. Yeah, and it's not even just the canceled cash outs here. And by the way, it's been nine days. They haven't solved this. You think you think if these were ca- yeah, canceled in error, they'd get this corrected immediately. It's been nine days. Nothing's been corrected. And believe me, that's not an accident. But uh, as China Maniac just said, one of the strongest pieces of evidence against lock poker that indicates that they're broke is the rest of the world payout, the payouts to players who are not in the U.S. These are taking four months, just like the U.S. payments are. And there's no reason for that. The reason the U.S. payments take a long time is because it is illegal to process payments like this. It is illegal to process money back and forth between U.S. players and poker sites. And if you do so, you're committing a major crime. You're going to go to prison like Chad Ellie did if you're caught. And therefore, it's very hard to find U.S. payment processors because they're breaking the law and they're doing something where there's a high chance they're going to get caught and go to prison. So these payment processors that do exist in the U.S. that are still willing to take the chance, they can't process a massive, massive number of checks or massive amounts of money or otherwise they will draw attention to themselves. So that's why these processors can only do a little bit at a time to fly under the radar, and that's why it takes so long for U.S. cash-outs, not just on lock, but everywhere. Now, lock takes the longest, but uh, the thing is, with the rest of the world players, this is not the case. The rest of the world players, you can pay them extremely quickly because there's no legal problems involved. You don't have to use these shady processors because it's legal to process these payments. So... There is no reason it could possibly take four months to get your money if you're a non-U.S. player if Locke really has the money. They should be able to send it to you right away. Now, Shane has been making really weird excuses about this. Because everyone's saying, well, the reason they're not, play- they're not paying the rest of the world players within four months is because uh, they're broke. 
And while they can make up the excuse for the U.S. players, oh, it's the, it's the check situation, oh, it's the, the payment processing situation, they can't claim that for the rest of the world because every other poker site can process uh, payments for rest of the world players within hours or days. And for some reason, Locke has taken four months. And that's the one question that he's been avoiding. He just won't answer it. Right. Like he, he tries to dodge his way around every other question, but that's the only one. I, I think uh, months back he said there was a backlog, but, I mean, if there's a backlog, then you just – you fill it and pay it, you know? I mean, you'd at least be paying people. Like, if you could only process so much, like, the first 10 days of the month, then they'd be shooting out whatever the, whatever they could the first 10 days of the month, and then you'd have to wait until the next month because that's how it wasn't merged for a while, but never this long. It was, like, two weeks max for, like, Skrill or Money Bookers, whatever. But, um, you know, that's just the one question he seems to keep dodging around. Right, and, and, and what because I've done he doesn't, is... It's because he doesn't have an answer. What know? I've done is I went through his statements. He had these weird cryptic responses on there trying to talk about how the money was mixed with U.S. money and that the DOJ sees it all as their money. And I was like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Well, finally, I figured out what he's trying to say. Finally, it made sense to me. And when I say made sense, I don't mean that he's right. I don't mean he's telling the truth. I mean, I understand what he's trying to get at and, and the incredible, incredibly lame tale he's trying to peddle to us for the reason that lock poker cash outs for non-US players are taking four months. That how that's possible to be occurring when it's, uh, it's not because they're broke, according to Shane. So this is what I've tried to, uh, this is what I've deduced from Shane's statements. Um, so, so, so what, what Locke is saying here, it, what, he, what he's trying to say is that, uh, What, what, actually, he already answered here. Um, what, what he's trying to say here is that um, since the money is mixed together in one account, that they can't just process rest of the world cash out normally and just send the money on to Skrill or Moneybookers or whatever site that uh, these rest of the world players are using, because this will show the U.S. government where their money is. So he's saying, look, if we use these legitimate cash-out methods for the rest of the world players, even though we won't be committing any crimes there, the U.S. government could then investigate, see where the money's coming from, and say, oh, that's where the U.S. money is, and seize it all. So that, that's what he's saying needs to be... So he's saying, it takes so long because we need to use shady payment processors for everyone, all around the world. That's the only way we can hide where our money is. Because if we, if we use the shady payment processors only for the U.S. and use just... Uh, you know, Skrill and money bookers and, and the and the mainstream payment processors for the people not in the U.S., then the U.S. can go to those legitimate payment processors like money bookers and say, hey, where's that money coming from? And figure it out and then take all the money from Locke. Seize it all. That's, that's Shane's point. So Shane's saying, look, we have to use the shady payment processor for everyone and that's why it's taking so long. That's BS. That's yeah, absolutely that's just, BS. That, that's admitting that as a network, you're incompetent because this is stuff when you're running a network of this scale that should be, you know, everything should be as cryptic as possible. And all like us and, you know, foreign players should all be in different spots. So you can avoid problems like these. He's basically trying to lie, make up a lie, but at the same time, his lie, he's admitting how incompetent they are. Yeah. And, and, um, I should mention something else here that, um, there's an easy way around this problem that he's claiming exists. You know, he's essentially saying the U.S. may seize all of our money if they find out where, where uh, our accounts are, so we can't 
we can't use any kind of processing that could possibly expose that. The reason that's a bogus excuse is that they could easily keep two different accounts. One for U.S. players, where they can use those shady processors that they have to, and one for non-U.S. players, where they can send money through money bookers and Skrill, etc., etc. And if the DOJ ever went after the account with the non-U.S. money, then it would be very quick to prove to the U.S. that these were accounts that were being used to pay non-U.S. players. You could say, hey, look at our account. You'll see every single one of them was a withdrawal to people not in the U.S. So obviously you seized money that we were using legitimately. Give it back to us. And the U.S. would. How do I know the U.S. would? Because even when the U.S. seized some foreign bank accounts, and the bank accounts we're talking about here, we're not talking about bank accounts that are... uh, Oh, you know, I want to actually interrupt this here. I, sure. I'm interrupting this because I, I have a segment I've wanted to have on this show, and and it's it's something that uh, it's something that can't wait. All right. I, I really hate to interrupt this because I, I this is an important topic, but I just can't. I I got to put on the segment here. So just one moment here while I set this up, and then we'll go back to lock poker. Hello. Oh, shit. I'm on the radio. Master Ken Scaler, how's it going? Oh, I forgot you're doing this goddamn radio show. Yep, I'm doing this goddamn radio show, and you, you interrupted hey, you know it. what? I read, I read in the LA Times about some professional like pool player, and I've seen a lot of people that used to play pool took up poker. Uh, I think you're talking about, like, uh, Nick Shulman. Is that who you read about? There's a front page of the LA Times today. He's like 40 years old. He's oh, no, like from Ohio. Shame. He lives in Vegas now. He, he's like kind of thin and, you know. I don't know. I, I don't know. No, I don't think it's Shulman. It wasn't a Jewish No, guy. no. Nick Shulman's younger. He's not 40. But he used no, to this play, guy's 40. He used to play pool also. But anyway. He had a Gentile name. Ma- Master Scaler, uh, how was Coachella? It was real. You know what? If I'm going to be on the phone a while, I have to get some change like right now. Okay, go, go dig in the fountain. Hold on, just just kill time for two seconds. Hold, okay, hold I'll, on. I'll kill time, yeah. Uh, I wonder where he's it's getting amazing. Chains. It's amazing he finds these payphones. I swear. I, I was in a couple of casinos in Atlantic City a couple of weeks ago, and all that you could see where the payphones were, and they're all pulled out of there. Did you hear him groan? He's like, ah! Like, you had to yeah. go back. <laughs> How long has any listener of this show had to scrounge for change for payphones in the last 15 years? Not me. I, that's, that's crazy. People are asking I mean, the chat, are there still pay phones? They charge 35 cents to make change. I think he was lying. Sorry. Did, did you really pay 35 cents to make change? No, 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 no. He was joking. Okay. There was actually a scene from... I don't know if you know uh, this, but it's 7-Eleven, a lot of the employees from India. I don't mean like... I don't mean like... Uh, Casino Indian, I mean computer Indian. No, I understand. Um, remember yeah. the movie Falling Down? There, there was actually a scene where Michael Douglas's character wanted change, and a Korean uh, liquor store owner didn't want to give it to him and said he has to buy something. Yeah. And he he needed twenty cents for a phone call, and the cheapest thing in the in the liquor store was eighty five cents. And oh, so yeah. they only leave him with fifteen cents, and he couldn't make the phone call, and then that made uh, Michael Douglas freak out. That was a great scene, actually. Yeah, I know, I know. He had a, he had a, he was a sociopath, and he had a like borderline personality. No, he probably had a worse than borderline personality disorder. But anyway, I thought it was a good movie. If anyone hasn't seen it, Falling Down is from '92 with Michael. It's from 1993. It's kind of outdated. Oh, it is '93. Yeah, you're right. I mean, who uses payphones anymore? 
I, I don't know, but who, who does? I, if I ever meet someone like that, I, I, I shall run. By the way, Coachella was really great. I met Selena Gomez there week one. Very random. What does Selena Gomez think of you? I thought it was really cool and funny. Really? Did you get her phone number? Yeah. Nice, nice girl. I, I, I did not hit on her. You should have. I, well, she's with her friend. I, I just didn't, you know. Now, you, I just didn't think it was in the... From what I understand, she's a lot of girls who raise like older guys, and she's not one of them. Okay, from what I understand. In fact, I, I, in fact, someone told me that she doesn't like older autograph seekers. She, th- she thinks they're kind of creepy. That uh, they want her autograph. Uh, all right. I'd, she you know, probably... there's a whole crew of like autograph seekers. Yeah. I don't know if you know about that whole little. Yeah. Anyway. So, so, um, uh, I know to be true that you went Coachella week two. Yeah. With a girl. Yeah, well, I went week one with a girl too. No, yeah. I know, but the but the girl in week two is a little bit different here because the uh, I, I think you you kind of have a thing for this one in week two. Yeah, but the week two girl, we didn't do anything in the motel room about that you're trying to imply. That is what I'm trying to imply. Okay, well, I I was very tired and 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 she was it was just Coachella was very exhausting. So you're saying you couldn't get it up? No, I didn't try. I'm very tired. You sure if I really wanted. To. I'm sure if I really wanted to, I could have I could have uh, 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 had an erection. But you know, well, I'm in public. I shouldn't say this type of stuff out loud. <laughs> Some Persian guy just turned around. Um. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So. Yeah. Well, no, no. I did not try. I I go to Coachella for the music. I'm not there for the parties. I'm not there for the lacrosse party or neon carnival. I'm there actually for the bands. You know. I understand. In but fact, that, I was in the front row. I was in the front row for I think everything. No, but Ken, two last year, you actually yeah. messed around with a girl there in week two. Okay. Oh God. Oh God. Well, I, you I, did. Sure, sure. I don't want to say her name, but she's a bitch. Okay, but nevertheless, you did mess around with a girl in week two, and I yeah, was hoping yeah, this yeah. would be a tradition that would occur every week. Okay. Well, I thought about it, but I just it just. You know, she's kind of like a really good friend, and it's just, I don't know if I really want to take it to that level, you know, I mean. Now, did you stay away from the pot brownies this year? Oh, I didn't do anything. And last year, Ken ate a pot brownie that was from the girl he the messed around cookie. with, and uh, it, it just completely messed him up. He missed, like, a full day at Coachella because of it. Yep. I went there and spent the day at the first aid station. Ken, this is from Darkstar in our chat room. He said, if you were in the front row for everything, you were definitely one of those self-entitled cunts who forced their way to the front and stink so bad that people are forced to let you cut in. Is any of that true? No, I didn't, I didn't take cuts. How did you get to the front every time? Well, I get there when it opens, I run to the stage, and I just don't leave for 14 hours. So, so the question is, do you? He said, force your way to the front. Like, are are you actually kind of pushing and, and squeezing through everybody, or are you, are you just like, no? Are you just I get to the it? stage. I, I run to the stage as soon as they open the gates. I run to the stage. I know where I want to run. I know what stage I'm going to be at. I pick a spot and I just stay there. Because I, I can kind of relate to this, Ken. Because in high school, the pizza line for me was very, very long, and uh, right. I, I discovered that if as soon as I get out of fourth period. If I don't put my books yeah. away yet and I just sprint over to the pizza line, I can be first in line and not wait on this 15-minute line to get pizza. And that's what I did. And I, I that's like what I, I do. That's uh, exactly what I, I do. I looked like a freak sprinting across the uh, the lunch area 
like you know, like I was some freak who who couldn't wait a few more seconds to eat, but I, like I, I was so happy I did it because I saved like the fifteen minutes in line. How was the how was the Powell's Verde's public school pizza? Eh, it was all right, you know. It was better than anything else they served. Really? What else did they serve? Yeah, like hamburgers and stuff like. That. They weren't very good. Like the pizza. Really? They didn't want the hamburgers. Yeah, they weren't good. Really? Yeah, the pizza was the best. By the way, where's your co-host? Uh, co-host, say hello. Hey, what's up, Ken? This uh, hey! this is uh, China here. I got a question for you. So, when you get to the stage early, how long do you have to? How long do, do you stay there for? How long does the shows last? Until the thing's over. But how many hours is that about? Well, some of the days I got there at eleven a.m. Not in line, but got to the stage at eleven a.m. And I stayed till about one in the morning. Oh, wow. Well, and you don't leave. Do you, do you bring any drinks or anything with you? Like, what do you do? Uh, when you're really in the front of those things, the security tends to hand out water, so I tend to never have to pay for water. Now, what happens if you have to urinate? Okay, this is called the Coachella Water Balancing Act. <laughs> I drink just enough water to satiate, but not too much where I have to go to the bathroom. Oh. If I'm inside a tent, I drink less water. If I'm outside when it's hot, I drink more water. Yeah, that's genius, Ken. You know what? Uh, yeah. In case there's a, a goddamn urine emergency, I try to wear black pants, but I haven't had to use them for years. Wait, so, so you've actually pissed in your pants before? Not since like 07 or 08. <laughs> I did not I know actually, this. I was going to say, I, I actually passed out once in the middle of a hundred thousand people from heat di- uh, from uh, dehydration. Really? Not at you a know, Coachella. Like electric Daisy Carnival or something, or what's up with that? Uh, it was it was at it was at a fish concert in uh, Maine. So fish. it was about a hundred thousand really? people, and um, what if yeah, one fish fan say to another fish fan when the drugs run out? I don't know. Boy, this music really sucks. <laughs> That's a good one. Sorry so, about that. so, so Ken, uh, that's unbelievable. So you actually, you actually adjust your water consumption according to the temperature, and, and figure the temperature whether I'm inside or outside. Yeah, and, and you actually it's a total balancing act. So you've actually found a way. So do you piss the entire day, or you actually go the entire day without pissing? What happened, Todd? I'm asking, do you go the entire day without pissing? I, I, I usually don't shit at Coachella until, like, no, 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 I'm asking about pissing. Yeah, I go the whole day without pissing. That's amazing. I don't think I've ever I done pissed, it. I piss before I go, I piss after I go, and I just do a balancing act for 14 hours. I don't think I've ever gone an entire day without peeing. No, I, I don't go the entire day. I just go before 11 a.m. and then after, like... Well, okay, 14 straight hours. Other than when I'm sleeping, I don't think I've ever gone 14 hours without peeing. That's a long time. Uh, well, you're not Ken Scaler, are you? Uh, apparently not. So, I, I didn't realize. I, I learned something new every day don't about you. Don't you ever have, like... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make it apropos to poker. Let's say you're, like, you're in the river and you're trying to get the flop away from the ace... <laughs> But you have to pee, but it's a good hand. What do you do? Well, no, no. Then I, I wait till the hand's over. The hands are pretty quick. Then, then I, then I go. Oh, yeah, the hands are there. quick. But what if, like, what if like, a, a bunch of dinks and they're terrible players, and but you're afraid if you go and you have to go to the bathroom if you leave and they're going to leave and the, the, the table all dies. Well, no. You, what, what I do, that? what I do, Ken, is I, I wait until a long hand develops, and then I run to the bathroom. How do you know a hand's going to be long? But you can tell like a bunch of people are entering, that they're betting a lot, and people are thinking what to do. Oh! And, yeah. Really, really, yeah. really. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay, so so Ken, uh, so you didn't do anything at all sexually, like no, whatsoever. I, I, I no, 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 I did not do anything sexual at the Royal Coachella. I know other people go up there and get laid and orgy it out and and yeah, but you know, it's disappointing. I was really uh, maybe you're just saying this on the radio. I, I, I'll have to ask I, you again really, later. I'm sorry. I'll have to ask you again later. I think that you might be not telling the whole story. You think I'm lying because I'm on a, a fake radio show? I think you're lying because you're on a real radio show. Yes. Okay, you think I'm lying because I'm on an internet radio show. Is that, is that better? This is an internet radio show with a four-figure number of listeners. Four-figure, so that's anywhere from 1,000 to 9,999. Right, not live now, listeners. Do you mean listeners? Do you mean live or do you mean live and archive? No, live and archive. Okay, okay, at least you're honest. You're honest. So, okay, so uh, Interesting. So, can so wait, uh, let me ask you a, a poker question. They're not going to arrest that one owner of the URL because, like, they have some fake disease and they're only 41 years old? Yeah, you're talking about Ray Vitar, who's not going to be serving jail time because of his heart condition. And now, is this, like, real, or is this, like, he's just saying that and, and then he'll live another 50 years? Uh, I, I think this is being exaggerated, and even if it's not, it's ridiculous. Like if you, uh, you, you can't because change. you know if this guy had a, a mere public defender, there's no way we got him. You know, I mean, he must have had some some real sharks on. Yeah, his it's it's ridiculous. I mean, if if his heart wasn't really that bad a condition, then uh, you know, let him be in the hospital during the recovery time he needs, and then send him to prison. Like, don't just say. Did he have the same? Did, did he have the same lawyer as that guy that ripped off all the poker players, like the thief? That 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 actually describes a lot of people, the thief. You know who I'm talking about. Peter, uh, Peter Falcone. Oh, Peter Falcone? I, no, no, I'm sure a different lawyer. Peter Falcone. No, but Peter Falcone did the papers where someone traded a kidney for it or something. Yeah, yeah, someone who, no, Peter had given his kidney to someone, and then this, this person paid for his lawyer. Wow. So anyway, uh, that's someone he scammed as well. But uh, so, so Ken... So wait, are all those, are all those like, sites up? Still the one uh, kind like the of a lock, lock poker. You know what, Ken? Lock poker isn't paying anyone, and I'm sure they're broke. They're just not admitting it. And I was talking all about that, but then I got a very important. Wait, not lock isn't, but I got a, I got a very important phone call during that discussion, and I had to interrupt that uh, important story about lock to take a phone call from an individual who cannot be called back because he calls from payphones. Really? Yeah. I was break. I was interrupting some major poker world news. I actually have a payphone question here. How long does a quarter last on a payphone now? <laughs> well, let's explain. Now, now you got to understand, because of the Telecommunications Act of 1996, which was signed by uh, the fake Democrat Clinton and passed by Newt Gingrich's Congress, payphones are deregulated. It used to be like there were set rates for all the companies. Now it's like some payphones charge a quarter, some charge 50 cents, some charge 75 cents, some charge 35 cents. This particular payphone, I can only speak... For this particular case on a receipt in victory, it charges twenty-five cents every ten minutes. That's pretty but good. Some phones are something that's good for a payphone. But on the other hand, it's not a mobile payphone. I have to like just pace back and forth and stare at a bunch of derelicts and weirdos going in down the Seven Eleven. You know. But now, do you spend over a hundred dollars a month on payphones? I I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it's, no, it's, been, it's been fifty cents already, right? But yeah, I go days without calling people. Now you can, you can get an unlimited plan on a cell phone for forty dollars a month nowadays. Yeah, I, I probably could. Plus, you have to buy the phone. Um, but you know what? I, I've offered uh, Ken to buy him phones, and he won't accept them from me. All you got to do I, is go I, to. Um... I, need, I need to. I need to think about it. There's a lot of a 
lot of uh, things I've been thinking about, and I, I just a phone is not really a priority right now. If you know a certain girl in Silver Lake was in my life, then maybe I'd have a phone, but maybe I'm over her now. I don't know. Hmm. All right. Todd knows who that is. Yes, I think everybody does. Oh, really? I thought she'd be forgotten by now. Like, no, no, like no. that, that person will never be forgotten. Really? Her paintings, are, she's a full-time artist now. She doesn't even have to work. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure she's uh, hit the big time. I saw her Facebook. It's, you should, you know, everyone should like her on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Colleen Sandland Art. Everyone, everyone, she only has like 342 likes. That's too low. For an artist she, of that caliber. Yeah, she needs thousands for sure. Yeah, the reason... Yeah, yeah, I mean, I hit, I hit 285,000 MySpace friends like two days ago. The so. reason Ken won't get a cell phone, people are wondering in the chat room, why would he? Why would you not get a cell phone, especially if I'm offering one? The reason that you, he does not get a cell phone is that he does not want to be contacted. He wants to contact you. Ken wants the control of calling you when he wants. He doesn't want you finding him. That, that's the reason. He won't say so, but that's the reason. Well, I mean, I can just not answer private calls or just not answer it, but I just, I you don't could, know. So, you, could, you could set it up so it doesn't take calls at all. I know. There's so many cool that's things a good about point. These, these, these gadgets and gizmos, you That's know? a good point, Ken. Why don't you just disable incoming calls? I don't know. I think it's time for, uh, it's of, time for a cell phone, Ken. It. It's time to step I, up. I, I, think, I think maybe sometime in fiscal year 2014... Well, that's very soon. The fiscal New Year's in three months. Um, actually, two months. Well, yeah, uh, well which, which fiscal New Year are we talking about? Because the, there is fiscal New Year's Eve that I know of that is uh, June 30th, and then, you know, fiscal... Well, that's two months. Fiscal uh-huh. New Year's Day is, is July 1st, but some other places consider fiscal New Year's Day to be October 1st. Okay, well, that's bizarre. Fiscal New Year's always July 1st in my book. That, that's what I think so, too. I mean, I've, I've always been I'm having sure, fiscal... I'm sure all the county firms like PMFNGC, whatever the hell they're called, and the late Arthur Anderson, and, you know, I'm sure they all agree. You know, Ken, I used to have fiscal New Year's Eve parties on June 30th. Really? Yeah. But you don't drink. That's fine. Most, neither does anybody else who celebrates uh, fiscal New Year's Eve. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So is like, like the Poker still up and the Merge Network? No, and, and we, can't, we don't have you on to talk poker. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. So, so Ken, uh, what, what else it's is going on? Show. Uh, um, well, I, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm trying to get a second job by June 1st and, uh, and start taking classes at my community college. I want to start taking online classes so I can free up my time to make more money. I see. So and that's that. How many college degrees do you have right now? Um, let me see. College degrees. I have a, a, a baccalaureate, and I have a master's, and I have three AAs, and I've, I, just at Pierce College, I have like 730-something units, plus a few units at Valley College, plus all my units at UC Santa Barbara and Cal State Long Beach. And, uh, yeah. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of units. What are your three AA degrees in? In uh, well, liberal arts, which is general, basically. And then I got one in political science and one in uh, uh, criminal justice. Huh. Hey, hey, speaking of units, doesn't Ken have a pretty big unit? I, I, that's a well, I mean, Colleen said that. Hey, sure. You know, uh, this is not the Howard Stern show, and, you know, I'm not a uh, young brother clown, so. <laughs> uh, oh, you know, uh, I... I, I, the thinking of annoying units, there's a Morton Downey Jr. documentary coming out called Evocateur. 
in like June, and I'm like, how can they have a Lauren Downey Jr. documentary and all they did was steal Wally George's act? They better at least mention Wally George in the Lauren Downey Jr. documentary, but... You know, Morton Ch- Downey Jr.'s, uh, he, he, his last wife before he died was a stripper. And, oh, uh, his fourth wife? Yeah, his fourth wife is a former stripper, and he met her at a strip club. Uh, her name is Lori. Oh. She, she is now married to another L.A. DJ. You're about Morton Downey Jr.'s wife, not Wally yes, George, Yes, right? Morton Downey Jr.'s, okay. yeah. Okay, so who is she married to now? To uh, the Magic Matt Allen. Isn't that weird? Hold on, to Magic Matt Allen, who used to work at Kiss. Really? Yeah. Of course, now she can't be that hot because Morton Downey Jr. died in 2001. Yeah, I mean, yeah so. she's on the older side now. But anyway, yeah. um, we, we actually have a 20-year-old girl in the chat right now. You want to hear what she, really? said, about, you want to hear what she said about you? Really? Yeah. She said... What did this... What did this lovely, or maybe not so lovely, youngish lady say about said, the Kenster, about Kenneth the Menace? She said, I hope I don't end up like this guy. Really? Yep. I think if she, let me do cunnilingus on her, she oh, might geez. say otherwise. You know what, Ken, I hate to tell you, but uh, I was actually talking about uh, sex on the show last week, and she was... Disgusted to hear about. It. She didn't want to think about forty-year-olds having sex. So you're even okay. older than me. So I think you're out of luck. Okay, that's that, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. But you know, one day she'll be forty, and her husband might leave her for a younger woman. But who knows? Yeah, you'll be really old then, Ken. Oh God! I'm when when she's forty, you're going to be. Is it true that everyone eventually dies? Because this whole immortality thing is starting to freak me out. You know. Well. Maybe by the time what you get... The, what, if the day, what if the day after I die, like, they cure cancer? Like, the day after I die, or whatever I die of, they cure it. Like, I missed it by a day, you know? That would be unfortunate. Maybe if they had a single-payer health plan, like, democratic socialist countries, it wouldn't be having this problem instead of this goddamn hyper-capitalism crap. But whatever. Okay. Ken, uh... Anyway, no no, no economics. This is, this is I, I hope you're not, uh, you're not still giving plasma, are you? Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, in other words, yes. So uh, you know, I I shouldn't very, tell people this. It's a very this. occasional occurrence in the Kenster's life. I shouldn't you know? tell pe- I shouldn't tell people this. I know I've told you before, Ken. But uh, um, Ken, would you like to tell everybody who Benjamin's imaginary phone friend is? Oh, it's me. That's right. It's still true, or is it changed? Believe it's it or not, yeah, it's still Ken. Believe it or not, Benjamin has an imaginary friend he talks to on the phone, and it's actually Ken Scaler. <laughs> I what do I talk about with him? Well, I don't know. See, he they're pretty simple conversations, and he actually calls Ken. He calls him Candy, and that's what threw me off at first. He he kept and picking. How do you know it's Candy? How do you know it's me? Well, I'll tell you. So he he used to pick up this. Uh, I have this old uh, landline phone here that's not hooked up to anything, and he would pick it up and pretend to talk on it and say hello, hi, oh hi, Candy. Oh, and then he'd make, he'd make a few... Candy? Yeah, he sounds like a stripper. So he make that's what I was thinking. Who's this Candy? He'd have, like, these fake conversations with Candy. And they say, okay, bye-bye, Candy, and hang up the phone. So I, I couldn't figure out where he got the name Candy. We didn't know any Candies. And uh, so finally I asked him, Benjamin, is Candy a boy or a girl? He said, a boy. I said, is Candy big or little? He said, big. And then I still didn't know who it was. And then a picture of you was up on Poker Fraud Alert, and he walked by and saw it, and he says, oh, it's Candy. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I realize what's going why on I, here. Why is, is there that... a picture of 
Well, no, there's there's various pictures of you up there, but the, what happened was um, Benjamin heard me talking to you a number of times, and and you know he know who you are because he's seen you a few times, and uh, yeah. Ben in an attempt to be like me, wanted to you know since he hears me talking to you, he wanted to talk to you. So, no so you became his like imaginary phone friend. Isn't that disturbing that you're? So weird. Yeah. That's so sad. Oh, by well, the way, uh, here can I'm you? I'm glad it mattered to somebody in the world. Here, so. can you like this one? I, I have an update. Here. Uh, the, according to Darkstar, who's in Chicago. He said, uh, Gamblebot, El Gallo, and I played cards at Horseshoe last week. I assume this is uh, not the Horseshoe in Vegas, but probably the one around there. We saw Neverwin, Dustin Wolf, playing high stakes limit next to us, wearing a really old Neverwin poker shirt. What? Yeah. That guy's still alive? All the drugs and everything? How's <laughs> he still alive? Well, he had sex with Colleen. He did. She used to always talk about Dustin Wolf, Dustin Wolf and the ass and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, he was into ass stuff, that's for sure. And that's very weird. Colleen did much better. Than yeah, it was in uh, Horseshoe, Indiana. Yeah, because uh, Neverwin lives with his parents in Chicago, at least last I heard. Really? In Hammond, Indiana. I, I, I wish, I hope, I hope he gets clean once and for all so he doesn't die very young. You know, Neverwin told me something depressing about, uh, I don't know, six years ago, seven years ago. He said that uh, he's going to die before 50. He's already accepted that. And I said, come on, yeah, that's that's not a good thing to say. You're in your 20s. And he's Why like, doesn't he do something about that's it? That's what Why I said. Like, I said, look, you're, and get an I, AA. I like it. you're in your 20s. You, you don't have to say you're going to be dead before 50. You know, change something if you think that's going to happen. He's like, no, no, I've accepted it. That's, gonna, that's what's going to happen to me. Wow. Yeah. That's pathetic. Yeah. Ken, you better hope that doesn't happen to you. You're you're 43 already. Oh, I I I, I feel really bad. I just ate a hamburger. Where was the burger from? Uh, a place with golden arches. <laughs> By the way, I heard in like some cities you go to McDonald's, most of the employees are actually white. That's all they are, named me. true. You know, I I've actually heard of cities where you go to 7-Eleven, and some of the employees are attractive white girls. Really? Yeah, you'd never see that in that. Really? I don't. Well, I mean, I heard like if you go to a Seven Eleven in the Middle East, all the employees are American, so you know, <laughs> maybe they do a swap or something. Yeah, it, it's funny. Like some cities, like in the South and other places like that, you, you see like you see attractive girls working jobs you'd never expect, like like delivering the mail and working at Seven Eleven. It, it's really strange. Oh no, not here. Yeah, not, not here. here. Like you have like no chance of a hot chick having any of those type of jobs here. Or donating plasma, or or even like an average chick, like like like, you just don't see it here. Not even like a six point eight or something. Not not even a five, like like none. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I can do better than a five, and I'm sure you think I can too. Uh, apparently, a lot of people uh, in the chat room did not know. I thought it was known pretty well, but uh, a lot of people in the chat room did not know that Neverwin had sex with Colleen. But yes, he did. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I don't want to picture that. Well, co-host on that other show has not, so. Ken, do you still talk to Colleen? No, no, no. She won't talk to me. 
Yes, Colleen is. Uh, this is actually the longest time she's gone without speaking to either me or Ken. She really has. Uh, I believe I saw her at Coachella week two, but but I looked at her and she looked at me and I was like, "Well, you were with another girl there." You you must have stopped sending her money, right? And then she stopped. No, 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 no. She doesn't. She listen to me, everybody. Colleen Sandland is a professional <laughs> painter. If you go to ColleenSandlandArt.com, you can see her new work, or you can send her a like on Facebook.com/slash ColleenSandlandArt. You can see. I mean, she doesn't have to work. She just, she literally, she has like some gallery that sells her paintings that's listed on her main website. Ken, how and often do you go to her website? How often, do, how often or... do you go to Colleen's uh, Facebook and other websites? I, maybe I check once a week. Once I a don't believe that. I, no. Much but you'd be that. amazed. I mean, you'd be amazed. Her paintings go for thousands of dollars, and a lot of them, you, you click the paint, it's a sold. Like, people do buy her paintings. They think she's a brilliant artist. And I mean, like, like, yeah. I mean, even that actress, Lee Meester, you know, she bought a couple of her paintings, you know? So, I don't I mean, believe it's for over $1,000. I think they probably paid like 200 No, no, she sold paintings for like 1600 1800 2700 I'm not kidding. That. I don't believe that. If you go to the, at the bottom of ColleenSandlandArt.com, the regular page, there's a, it says like, to, to contact, please see this gallery. I forgot what it's called. And then a list her in the gallery by first name. You can see what she sold. It's, it's unbelievable. She doesn't have to work except painting paintings. She's a working, living, breathing, full-time artist. She's just doing amazing work. So it's not like I've asked her or something. I got to like look at the total inflection. Oh, man. So, Ken, how long do you think it'll be till she sells a painting for? One million dollars. Oh, I, I think in her lifetime she will. I think she's going to get married and have twin boys, and uh, she's going to have a house in the suburbs, and I think her marriage is going to last. I wish I was the one marrying her. There'll be some, some douche. You know? Yep. Yeah. Colleen Sandlin, everybody. Yeah, but, but I don't like to say her last name too often because I don't want people to harass her, you know? Now, too late for that. But I'm going to tell you, like her on Facebook, facebook.com slash ColleenStanlinArt. Look at her paintings. They're amazing. Okay, Ken. Well, you know, there's some other things I want to discuss with you off the air, so you'll have to call back uh, later on when the show's over or tomorrow. Yeah, I was calling it up. Uh, uh, I, you know, you sent an email, but okay. Uh, I didn't actually open it yet. I just went right to a phone. But... Okay, well, thank you for your uh, prompt uh, attention. And you know, call me tomorrow or, or later on when the show's over. When will, when will your show be over? I'm I might have to call you tomorrow because I don't want to be out too late. Uh, you, can, you can try back in about an hour and a half. If I don't call then, I'll just call you tomorrow. And it was good talking to, to your co-host and the rest of the world of poker. I hope uh, I hope you stop more frauds with your alerts. I, I will do my best. Be due diligent. I will. Thank you, Ken, and uh, thank you for spending a dollar on this phone call. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. That was Ken Scaler, everybody. True legend right there. You know, boy, this is bad. I all hell breaks loose when I'm uh, not doing this radio program. I just got I just got a text from uh, Ben's mother. This was uh, sent uh, 15 minutes ago. Ben threw my pearl earrings down the drain. <laughs> I stopped him just before a diamond went down, so I preserved those, but the pearls are gone. Oh, Jesus. Now, is there any way to get that out? 
I had something trying to think of here. I, 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 I wonder how far they've gone down the drain. Right. Might have to call uh, Bottom Set to get the plumbing going yeah, over there. Right? Too bad Bottom Set's not posting these days. Where is he when we need him? I know. Damn it. I need, I need Bottom Set to give me some advice here what I do about this. <laughs> ben just threw pearl earrings down the drain. Shit. I can't have this. I, 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 you know, I, I can't even play online poker for a living these days, and, and Ben is throwing jewelry down the drain. It's amazing. They go all the profits right there. Jeez. I mean, I, I, like, I, I just, I lost money during this radio show. Um, I'm not even playing poker. It's not even unlock poker, and you lost. Yeah, <laughs> I think I would have been better off depositing unlock poker. At least, uh, I know. They have like a 0.001 percent chance of getting paid. So, uh, a- anyway, getting back to lock poker, I don't even remember where we quit, but uh, we quit. I-, I think about the uh, the fact that they have been. Uh, Canceling all the cash outs, and uh, you know, claiming it's because of these transfers. If you've ever received a transfer, you can't cash out. They are broke. They just don't want to admit it. They're stalling as much as they can until they can convince enough suckers to deposit there. Now, one other thing I want to say before I move on here, and I mean this is really really bad because this is they've never done this. They've been always shady. They've done a lot of bad things. They've broken a lot of promises. They covered for a cheater. Uh, they've done one bad thing after another. They've they've segregated players. They've, they've they've done a lot of bad things, but they've had super slow cash outs. But the one thing they haven't done up till now was just flat deny people the ability to cash out. But that's what right. they're doing now. You just can't get your money off there now. So yeah. my my advice to people here would be number one: if you can sell your lock money. Then uh, go ahead and do so, even if it's at uh, less than fifty cents on the dollar. I would advise I, doing so. I'd sell it for ten cents if I had it right now. Yeah, I, th- I probably would too, because like, it, it, I'm telling you, yes, there's a chance, a small chance they'll write the ship and eventually send you all your money, but but a very small chance, and 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 the the much greater chance they're just going to disappear one day after stalling you forever with the cash outs, or or maybe cashing out a tiny percentage of your money. Uh, so I would sell it, especially if you have any kind of substantial money on there. And there are people still buying who are in denial. Now, just so you understand, I'm not directing you to sell your money on lock to other suckers who don't realize what's going on. I'm not uh, looking you to pass, looking for you to pass your problems on to other unknowing and innocent people. I actually went onto the 2 plus 2 forums. I've actually been very active there. I, I post there these days as kilowatt, if you want to find me. But I, I posted on there... Uh, among other things, in the trading form, in the money trading form on 2 plus 2, warning everyone that Locke has been canceling all the cash outs and that you should keep this in mind before you trade there because I want everybody to understand what they're getting into when they trade Locke money either way. So, yeah. uh, anyway, there are still people willing to buy Locke poker on the cheap hoping that somehow they're going to make a, a profit on it. I don't know how they're expecting this. But, uh, you know, that's their choice and I would advise taking them up on it and selling off your Locke money because... It's looking really, really bad over there, and okay. the publicity is getting worse and worse, and, uh, yeah. and you know, rightfully so. So I, I don't yeah. think they're going to recover from this. There's a chance maybe someone else buys them and rescues them. Uh, there's, I guess, a small chance that they stall long enough they can get enough deposits to, to pay. One site that I would love to see change their stance on lock poker is 2 plus 2. And I, I just don't understand this because uh, I'm on 2 plus 2 right now. On the very top... 
is a big lock poker ad. Lock poker, grind for glory. On the left side, a lock poker ad. On the right side, a lock poker ad. Yeah, now, the, the only good thing, though, about them being a paid sponsor there is if anyone visits that forum, they're not going to deposit. But the bad thing is is if you just click the banner and sign up, you're screwed. Right, you right. And that's exactly what I said. I suggested on the on 2 Plus 2, they have a section on 2 Plus 2 called About the Forums. And I suggested there, kill the banners and leave the forum. Because the forum is a good, informative place for people to understand the truth about what's going on there. I've been very active myself in the lock forum, taking them to task. Uh, but uh, the banners are aimed at people who are not reading the forum, or not at least reading the lock forum. They're, the banners are aimed at people who are just casual browsers of 2 plus 2, people who mainly have like you know 10 minutes a day to read 2 plus 2, maybe want to read some gossip in the NVG forum, and who don't know all the stuff going on there. And they assume if it says lock poker, grind for glory, and you know it's on 2 plus 2, which is a reputable site, that it must be a reputable site itself, or else, you know, how could they be advertising here? So, and people know that uh, two plus two stopped taking UB ads when all this was going on. So, you know, if they're letting Lock advertise all over the place, they must be decent, right? So, this is very misleading. There are actually people on two plus two who posted that they signed up to Lock because it was advertising on two plus two, and they thought that was uh, almost like an endorsement. And uh, even if you don't think it's an endorsement. The people clicking on those banners are never the people who are in the know. It's always the people who are the very casual browsers of 2 plus 2. These are the fresh lambs being led to the slaughter. And 2 plus 2 should realize this and take down those banners and say, we're not going to be part of this. We're not going to bring the Peters in here that you're going to rob to pay Paul. You want to advertise elsewhere and get those Peters. We can't do anything to stop it. But but we're not going to be the ones providing you with the suckers to deposit here. Uh, so you can steal from them to pay the people who have withdrawals pending. There was one theory that someone presented to me. That, I mean, it's possible that they could be doing all of this just to bring the value way, way down low, like 10 cents, and then buy it all, and then maybe cash some people out if they have any money. You know, um, I, I don't think that's likely, but it's a possible scenario. Yeah, that's been brought up. And, uh, you know, in fact, as you were saying it, a guy named Forum Wars in our chats, typed it at the same time. And I know he didn't steal it from you because he was in the middle of typing it when you were saying it. So neither of you stole it from the other. You both came up with this idea at the same time. Uh, he said, Druff, it occurred to me that Locke could pull an Ecuador trick and buy back their Locke funds at 50% or so and recapitalize. What do you think? Uh, you know, possible. Uh, I wouldn't say this is outside the realm of possibility. I personally don't believe that's what's happening, because I think they are so broke they can't even afford to do that. They can't even afford to buy it at 35%. They just don't have the money. But uh, would this be a way if they were to come up with some money to uh, you know, b- buy up lock funds <laughs> and then, uh, and, and then you know, cash it out? Sure. It could help them to sell the network, though, if they did that. You know, if they had any money, just buy up the huge, ba- you know, whatever huge balances are available, and then, uh, you know, it would be less that the, you know, if somebody new took over the network, it would be less that they would have to pay out. Um, but I, I just don't know. I don't know anyone that would want to touch touch that um, network at all. I mean, I've heard of people that have like 500k stuck on lock, which wow, I haven't heard of truly that. Truly suck. Wow. Yeah. I know a guy that had about 400k a couple of weeks ago, but he managed to dump it somehow. So um, it was costly, but he dumped it or sold it off somehow at a at a low rate. 
But um, there's still people with insane balances. I mean, you see these guys that are trying to cash out 10K, and, you know, they might have 40 10K cash outs, you know, behind that. They might have bought a lot of lock when it was like thinking they were getting a bargain maybe in the fall when cash wow. outs were like 45 days, you know, buy up 100K and, you know, make a little bit of money, and now they're just completely stuck with it. Boy, that would be depressing to have 500K on there and be reading what's going on right now. Boy, that would be depressing. Yeah. Yeah, like imagine they had like a bad beat jackpot or something, and you hit it. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's screwed. Just, yeah, I mean, that's all. I think it's even worse if you actually buy the money or or win the money slowly, rather than just like one lucky shot. At least you could say, well, you know, at least I just lucked into this, and you know, if I get it, I get it. But here, if you like, if you grind out a big profit on there and just don't cash out, or you you buy other people's money and then you find you're, it's just stuck. I mean, that's just uh, that's just really bad. So, wow, uh, very bad situation. And uh, uh, apparently Mason Malmuth is on vacation right now, but when he gets back, he's going to make a decision about Locke. And I, I, I will say there is some chance Mason will, will kick the banners because uh, Mason doesn't really need the money. And 2 plus 2's reputation is actually important to him. So there's a decent chance that uh, he'll feel enough pressure here and kick the banners. And uh, there's def- you know, there, there are very few Locke supporters on the site, so... Uh, I, I know the strong sentiment on the site is to remove those, uh, those, and uh, that—that's my idea. I mean, that's, yeah, I, th- I think he will pull those. Yeah, and and that's—I I think that will really hurt them too. And if only uh, these magazines can be convinced to drop them, uh, and, and all these stupid affiliates. But of course, that'll never happen. There will always be greedy people that want to keep uh, offering up. I mean, I, I got pissed at all the affiliates that were offering UB. Up until the end, but sure. uh, there's you know always greedy people out there, especially in poker. Let me move on to another topic here. But uh, oh, one other thing I want to suggest: anybody at uh, the World Series or anywhere else, if you see anyone repping lock lock poker, wearing their gear, anyone tweeting about lock tournaments that uh, represents the site, give them hell. You know, really, really give them a hard time. Really make them regret that they're continuing to stay on that sink, on that sinking ship. Because that's the only yeah. way you're you're gonna shame them into dropping out. Uh, speaking of a sinking ship, did you mention something today about all the lock pros being out on a cruise or something? Oh yeah, I should mention that. Yeah, the the other inside information I got this is from a different source. But I, I have two different uh, inside sources at lock. Th- this is a second source, and this this person told me that uh, Jennifer Larson, the CEO of Lock Poker, has taken a lot of the lock pros on an extravagant vacation to Portugal and that uh, a lot of the lock pros are there and that they are under instruction not to indicate that they're there because it will look bad because of all the lock cash out problems they don't want to look like uh, they don't want people criticizing them for taking expensive vacations on company money so which is actually probably player money but anyway I, I was told that right now as we speak that Jennifer Larson is in Portugal on this vacation with a lot of the Lock Pros, and it's a vacation that uh, Lock Poker Lock Poker sponsored for its pros. They did the same thing last year for a different location. I think it was Paris or something. And uh, this year it's Portugal, and they're doing this despite all their financial problems. And uh, I'm I, I'm presuming this is happening to keep the loyalty of the Lock Pros. If Lock treats you so well. You'll say anything for them. At least you will if you uh, don't have a lot of scruples, as a lot of these lock pros don't. 
So that's what I heard is happening. And again, they were told not to say anything, not to post Facebook messages. Hey, look at me, Portugal, nothing like that. No, no tweets about it, but that uh, they're there. A lot of them are there. That's what I've been told by a source that is not only reliable, but who's someone who gave me a lot of details and someone who has never lied to me before. So uh, take that for whatever it's worth. Thanks for reminding me about that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, World Series events I'm selling this summer. And, of course, uh, China Maniac, I'm where you are, too, so you can talk about yours uh, since uh, you're the co-host here tonight. Uh, but uh, I'm playing the World Series of Poker once again. This is my uh, ninth World Series. I first played in 2005, which was also my best year. And I'm actually playing the fewest number of events since 2005, when I only played four. I'm only playing eight this year, at least only eight on the schedule. There's some possibilities for some other ones if I feel like it. But uh, here are the eight events I'll be playing, and then I'll tell you uh, the prices to buy these events. And, and before I get into that, um, I'm selling these in what I call shares. Shares mean 1%. So if you buy one share of me in an event, you own 1% of me meaning whatever I cash, you get 1% of it. So if I cash 100 k in the event, I will owe you $1,000. Um, now, this is not a stake. There's no makeup here. So if you buy a share of me, or whatever number of shares you buy of me, and I lose the event without cashing, the money's gone. I don't owe you anything back. There's no makeup. If I if I hit a big score in the next tournament, I don't owe you your money back, nothing. You know, If I, if I lose, it's gone. It's important for you to understand that. You're actually buying a piece of me. This is not a stake. Uh, the way you will pay me, you'll send me either by PayPal, you can send me a check, you can give me cash in person, but if you do that, uh, it's first come, first serve, so if you can't give me the cash in person for like another month, then it may be sold out by then. Or I can give you one of my bank accounts for you to drop money into. I have uh, accounts at several of the major banks. So just PM me, Dan Space Druff on Poker Fraud Alert, or email dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com if you want to buy a piece of me. Um, I'll tell you the advantages of buying pieces of me versus other people. Uh, number one, you know I'm trustworthy. I'm never going to screw you. You know I'll really pay you. You know I'm not going to sell over 100% of myself and purposely lose. Um, yeah, you can tell I'm trustworthy and honest. I have a very good reputation for that over the years I've been around. Uh, you, you know that I don't have any kind of uh, substance abuse problem or anything like that where I'm going to show up uh, you know, high or drunk to the event. Um, and uh, you, you know I stick to events that I feel I have an edge. I'm not just uh, you know, picking events out of the air that I feel like playing and having you sponsor them. Uh, and maybe best of all, I will give you the most updates of my progress at the event of pretty much anyone. I, in fact, I annoyed people. I've actually had people tell me that they've unfollowed me during the World Series, and they're not going to follow me till the World Series is over because I annoy them so much with my repeated updates about my chip stack, every hand I play, every little thing that happens at the table. If you buy a piece of me, or even if you don't, and just follow my Twitter, you will feel like you're there. A lot of times you buy pieces of other people, and you just find out afterwards if they won or lost. With me, you, you find out every piece of the action. You can feel like you're there. Uh, even Charter, Christian Harder, he, he told me he was at my table at the World Series. I forgot it was in, in 2011, I think it was. Maybe even in 2012. But he told me that uh, he just unfollowed me. He said, yeah, let me know when you're done with the uh, with the World Series. I'll follow you again. And, and a lot of other people told me that too. But uh, their loss is your gain if you're buying a share of me 
because you'll get to feel like you're sitting at the table right next to me and uh, you know get to experience all the action with me. Uh, so here's the events I'm playing. I'm going to tell you the events, and I'll tell you how much it costs per share. Now, there is a markup on these, obviously. I'm not... Uh, I'm not selling these at even money, and the reason I'm doing that is because it's it's taking my time and effort to play these. So, And also, I feel in all of these events, I have an edge over the average player in the field. In some of the events, I have a big edge, some I think I have a small edge, but I feel I feel I have an edge over the average player in the event in every one of these, and that's why I'm playing them. Uh, so you're paying both for my edge and, and for my time and effort here, and... Uh, you know, hopefully we'll make some money. This is not I'm not billing this as a great money making opportunity for you. This is just something you can do for fun. And a lot of people just buy, you know, small pieces so they can have something to sweat during the World Series. So here are the eight events I have on the schedule. Event number six, June first, is my my first event. Fifteen hundred dollar no limit hold'em, the millionaire maker event. This is a new thing that uh, Caesars is doing this year. They have all these uh, millionaire maker things going on. At their property, so they they now have a millionaire maker, fifteen hundred dollar no limit hold'em tournament, where top prize is guaranteed to be a million. So, uh, so if, if you know if I play that and I win, at minimum, I will walk away with one million dollars. So I'm going to be playing that. I think it'll be a nice field. Uh, I decided this year to stay away from the. $1,000 buy-in, no limit events, because you just don't start up with enough chips. You have 3,000 chips, it's just not enough. And if you don't get off to a tremendous start, you end up uh, in trouble. And there's just too much luck involved in those, and I don't like them. 1,500s I found are a lot better, because you have 4,500 chips, and it's a lot, uh, structure's a lot better for that reason, so I'm only sticking to the 1,500 no limits this year. So that's one of them, the 1,500 uh, Millionaire Maker. I think that's a good event, because uh, I think a lot of people will play it because of the million-dollar guaranteed uh, prize. Uh, always get very large fields on these types of events, and uh, which translates to a lot of lousy players in there. So uh, that I'm selling for $18 a share. Uh, again, you'll get uh, 1% of me for each share. And uh, and of course, the shares are largely based upon the buy-in. So uh, if I were to be selling it at $15 a share, it would be even money, because then you could buy 100% of me for $1,500. Uh, I'm only selling up to 40% of myself in most of these events, 50 in a few of them. So... Once that's sold, it's done. June 3rd, I'm playing event number 10, the $1,500 no, uh, sorry, limit hold'em. There's not many limit hold'em events left, but this is one of them that's still there. I did finish third in this one. This was my first event ever. In 2005, I finished third out of over 1,000 people. But I have bricked it for seven consecutive years. Every year since 2005, I have bricked this damn thing, 1,500 limit hold'em. There were even a few years they had it twice. I still bricked it both times. I just have done awful in this event since finishing third in it. But don't worry, you can't buy a piece of me. I'm not selling that one. June 20th. So I'm taking a long break in between those two. June 3rd, then June 20th. Uh, and, th- and this is because I, I, I'm a father now. I can't, uh, I, I can't play as many events as I used to. June 20th, event number 37, the $5,000 no limit, or sorry, $5,000 limit hold'em. $56 a share. Last year, this was a heartbreaking event. It was the first event I played last year. It paid 18 spots. I finished 19th. I was the bubble boy, and not just the bubble boy. I lost four straight hands to be the freaking bubble boy. If I just sat there and didn't play a hand and blinded out, I would have cashed a min cash at least. 
But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to go for the bracelet. So I played four good hands I was dealt, lost all four of them, and busted. Including, like, ace-king against six-deuce in the final hand. So, um... It was a heartbreaking way to start the World Series. And, uh... Hopefully I do better this year. I did also finish 20th, and that year 20th was a cash. In 2008... I've only played this event uh, five times overall. So this will be my sixth. Um, June 22nd, event number 40. Another 1500 No Limit Hold'em. That's not a millionaire maker, but uh, should be pretty similar. $18 a share. June 25th, event 45. This is an interesting event. $1,500 anti-only No Limit Hold'em. $18 a share. This was invented last year. I ran deep. I probably got through about 85% of the field, but I did not cash. Wasn't the bubble boy, but I, uh, uh, I came pretty close. Um, this is an interesting event because there's no blinds. It's only antis the whole time. Um, this is something very few people had any kind of familiarity with. And, uh, that's good for me because I'm good at figuring out these things quickly. So, um, whenever there's kind of like a, a new game nobody's familiar with, or a new form that everybody's kind of, uh, new to, I'm always good in those spots. So, uh, I, I was very happy with how I played this one. I didn't just luck into getting deep. But uh, I did, just didn't quite get good enough cards to, to cash, but I'm hoping for better. I really like the event. I'm playing it again. So uh, event number 45, $1,500 anti-only, no limit for $18 a share. June 26, I think China Mania could probably be in this one too. Uh, event number 48, the uh, uh, the last limit hold'em event, $2,500 limit 6 max, $38 a share. I have never cashed in this one since it was created a few years ago. And um, I did come fairly close one year, but uh, took a few bad beats to get knocked out on day two. Anyway, this is uh, this is the toughest of the three Limit Hold'em events, I'll be honest with you. It's even tougher than the 5,000, believe it or not. Because uh, the 5,000, you get more people that enter this that uh, are not really Limit Hold'em players. They just want to enter all the big events. Limit yeah, six it's max. Po- it's possible to sit down and just have an absolute stack table. Yeah. Now I will say, last year I didn't. Last year I had a, a pretty good starting table, and and uh, but yes, you can sit down and have uh, five limit hold'em all stars with you. So I I, I want to be honest here with this event. I'm, I'm not going to say that uh, you know everyone in the field's a donkey and I'm great and everyone else sucks and I've got a gigantic edge. I don't. I mean, it's, it's, there's a a lot of good, very good limit hold'em players in this six max event. However, at the same time, I've played a whole lot of six max uh, on, uh, you know, pretty much that's mainly what I did online for most of these years. So I have a whole lot of experience in this myself. So I feel I can hang very well with this field. It's just uh, there are a lot of other good players in it, and uh, you know, China Maniac included. So, uh, so th- I just want to give the disclaimer with that one. Uh, June twenty seventh, event number forty nine, fifteen hundred dollar no limit hold'em. Another one of those for eighteen dollars a share. And the final event I'm playing, the main event. $10,000 No Limit Hold'em. Couldn't get anything going for four years. The first four years I played this damn thing, I busted on day one. 2009, I made day two. That was when I was on TV busting against Phil Helmuth when I flopped a set. And he played a donkey hand with a queen deuce suited under the gun. Uh, But then the next year I broke out, finishing 88th out of 7319 people. Uh, Day number six for me in 2010. But then in uh, 2011 and 12, I came fairly close to cashing both years. Uh, day three, late day three, on both of them. 
but uh, didn't quite make it either time. So I have uh, made three consecutive day threes, three consecutive deep day threes, uh, four consecutive day twos. So, um, you know, and, and this isn't just luck. I, I actually figured out over the years some different ways to play the main event that, that were better, a, a better strategy than what I was employing before. So uh, it's no coincidence that I've improved in my results in that event, and I'm optimistic about that this year. Of course, uh, I do need some cards, and um, those are the events I'll be playing. If you have any interest, dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. If you, if you don't uh, want to remember all this crap, you can find all this right there. Official buy a piece of dandruff for 2013 thread in the Flying Stupidity Forum. But before we move on, China Maniac, what are you selling? I'm not selling anything. Um, oh. The past few years, I was selling a couple of limit events, but um, this year, C Money was going to put me in the 5K and the 2500 limit, but um, decided there was better value in the main event. So he's putting me in the main event, and um, now he's putting me in the 2500 6 Max, too. I was going to sell pieces for that, but. Uh, he wanted to take it because he didn't want to see me hit a huge score or something and then, you know, have me bust out of the other one. So I'm just playing those two events. And if I get some free time, which I should have during the week, I, I might play a couple of other events, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. So uh, I guess you, I guess you're not selling anything. So so I'll, I'll see you in some of these events. And, uh, you know, Shiny Maniac, has, has, uh, he's had a lot of deep runs himself, and, and he's definitely uh, – someone who's ready to break out and, and make a final table at one of these. For sure. I mean, that's six max last year. I had the chip lead going into day two and wound up bubbling it. So hopefully have a little bit better of a run this year. Yeah, we've really had this, we've really had some heartbreaking bubbles between us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I, I was doing very well in that uh, 5K limit hold'em on day one, too. It's, uh, I didn't finish the chip lead, but I was uh, near it at one point. So. Yeah, that's the only thing about these limit events. You know what? If uh, on day two, I mean, the your stack size is just so small, it can become very tough to play. And if you don't get cards, then you know it can be very easy to, you know, get whittled down to almost nothing. Yeah. Now, um, let, let me. I just want to play something quickly here. Uh, we've had this person on our show before, and uh, we've talked about. Uh, uh, we've had Dave Lerman on here, and he's he's. Uh, Basically, a talk show character actor, and uh, what was very eye-opening, getting to know this guy and talking to this guy, was learning how fake TV is. That so much of TV is staged, including a lot of what you would think is not staged. Sometimes news broadcasts are are, are using actors, uh, talk shows using actors instead of you know talking about their real situations. Uh, things that are, are are portrayed as real are actually fake or semi-fake. Well. Um, he recently was did a job for News 8, uh, KLAS in Las Vegas, where he claimed to be a victim of a fake henna tattoo scam. Now, this is apparently a real scam that's going on in uh, Fremont Street, these uh, henna tattoos that are actually dangerous, that are uh, not being done the right way. But uh, the thing is, they found a real victim but the real victim was so embarrassed about it that they didn't want to go on camera. So they were about to scrap the story, and instead they hired Dave to kind of play the guy who had been scammed with a fake henna tattoo and the consequences he suffered, except Dave used his real name, and they actually used real pictures of Dave in the hospital from the past in the story. And uh, and, and this actually 
played as a real news story on, on 8 News in Las Vegas. It's crazy that they actually hire like stand-ins for the victims of, of these sorts of news stories. Where, where he just takes over and said he was the victim when it was really someone else. And he's just telling the other guy's story. Listen to this. Up to 75% oh, of we got to watch a, a commercial for the uh, Susan G. Komen uh, cure for breast cancer. Okay, it's a good cause. Go ahead, Susan G. Komen uh, Foundation. It's raised by Susan G. Komen for the cure of Southern Nevada. Stays in our community, funding uh, life-saving screening and treatment programs. While the remaining 20... 20- uh, I like the, the music in the background. <laughs> Five percent funds research toward cures for breast cancer. Invest today at comansouthernevada.org. In today's Eight on Your Side report, a warning for anyone considering a henna tattoo. The iTeam's Michelle Mortensen has uncovered that some henna tattoos in the area can cost you your life. Henna tattoo kiosks can be found everywhere in Las Vegas. They're at malls, at festivals, even on Fremont Street. And if you think getting a temporary tattoo wouldn't be that big of a deal, you're wrong. And this is why. Fremont Street. A little less conversation. One of the most popular places in town for tourists and locals alike. Locals like David Lerman, who came here for a soul music festival. The music phenomenal. Um, and now you get you really get caught up in the excitement of like a festival and you do things like you'd never do. Like it was almost like a, a, a beacon of light where it's like ten dollar henna tattoo. So David got one on his arm. Okay. Look, so, so he claimed he went to this music festival and, and uh, he was so into the music that uh, it, it inspired him to get a, a henna tattoo. It already sounds kind of ludicrous. <laughs> this is uh, the rest of it here. Amazing. And I'm telling everybody it's real. That's how good it looks. But that was Saturday. Monday, I noticed it's irritating and it's swelling and it's itching. And I'm just like, whoa. Hours later. I was in the infectious disease ward. David had blisters all around his arm, similar to the one seen here. Now, this is like life threatening. And costly. So, so they show a picture of his arm with like that looks like pristine and clear, and then they like superimpose blisters over it, <laughs> saying like similar to the one seen here. So, right when I saw that, I knew like this has to be a BS story, and I, I asked him, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, that that it was actually someone else I was kind of playing." So that was the most expensive henna tattoo I think in the history of mankind. His hospital bill? $19,000. So how could all of this have happened with a simple henna tattoo? But what was the color? It was black. Turns out, it wasn't henna. Now, see, this is too much liquid. Chetna Sutaria has practiced the art of henna for more than 30 years. And it's made up of just three things. Henna powder, tea water, lemon juice. And as you can see, it's not black. Always ask them. Is the black henna or the red henna? If the red... I don't know what she's even saying. <laughs> Always ask them, is it better or better bra? If it's better bra, then it's a fake tattoo. Red or brown means it's a pure. If they do black, don't do that. It's a chemicals. This so-called black henna is usually applied with one of these, an airbrush machine. It's sprayed directly onto your skin, usually over a stencil. 
And the SEC... I just want to point out here, they're running like a weather report at the bottom for, for today. This, this came out, actually it was yesterday. So Vegas has been very hot recently, like 100 degrees. I just want to point out Mount Charleston, 75 degree high. You guys wonder why I, uh, I have my phone up there. EPA says that they add chemicals to the dye to get it that color. Something called coal tar and PPD. And some people have severe allergic reactions. I wish I had a time machine. I would go back and I would never get a henna tattoo. After reliving care. that fateful day at the Soul Festival with us, David realized his henna tattoo wasn't anything like Chetna's. He just hopes others learn from his experience. Michelle Mortensen for 8 on Your Side. If you have a problem you'd like Michelle to look into, please call the 8 on Your Side hotline at 650-1907. We should call Michelle about uh, lock poker. <laughs> yeah, maybe they'll, get, maybe they'll get Dave Learman on there and say, you know, I, I deposited a lock poker. I was so excited. I, I went to the Soul Festival, and I, I, I deposited on an online poker site something I would never do, but I, I, it was like a beacon of light to me. <laughs> that guy makes it sound so convincing, too. You know, um, I, I won't ex- exactly explain what I did here, but um, I needed him to create a distraction for me one time in a casino, and he actually did a really good job with it. Like I was, I, I was cashing out something there where I didn't want the, uh, and not, it wasn't anything illegal. I just didn't want the, uh, I, I didn't want to be hassled with a lot of questions, and, and so I went up with him to the cashier to cash in my chips. And he started up this whole conversation with the cashier, and it worked. She was just so engrossed in the conversation with him, and he was kissing her ass so hard, and asking for her name, and saying that he's going to, you know, write a letter about you know how friendly she is and how pleasant she makes the experience at the casino for him, even when he loses money. That that yeah, you know, that's all she could focus on. So I was I was very <laughs> impressed. So, that's great. So anyway. Uh, that that was interesting playing. You know, people are asking for a prank call. So I, I I mentioned before that I saw a phone number for Lock Poker, and I didn't even know they had a phone number. Now I imagine we're not going to get uh, CEO Jennifer Larson on the phone, but nevertheless, I uh, I would like to call up and see what we get here, and see if we can get like a uh, Joseph Stone, who always says best when he writes you his uh, frustrating emails, his frustrating form letters. Let's see if we can get uh, Joseph Stone at his best on the phone here. Hello. Thank you for calling Locke. If you know your party's extension, please enter it now or press 8 for the dial by name directory. For the Locke cashier. Hold on, I'm going to call Jennifer Larson. Please enter the first few letters of the person's first or last name, followed by pound. No matches found. What? There's no Jennifer Please Larson? The first few letters How's that possible? First... Sometimes I like using these directories and just fishing for people. There's like entering random numbers and see what you get. No matches found. This Please enter the first few letters of the person's first or last eat, name. Numbers here. No matches found. Yeah, this sucks. Please. No matches found. Yeah, I shouldn't have fallen into that trap. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna. Up. Oh. See now, now I just hung up on Chinese maniac. I, I screwed this one up big time. Let's call a log back and China. Sorry about that, China. I'm back. 
Yeah, I, I, I was so much on tilt from that no match, no match is found that I hung up on everyone. <laughs> Wasn't one of my proud, most uh, proud moments of the show. Hello. Thank you for calling Lock. If you know your party's attention, please enter it now. No. Or press 8 for the dial by name no, directory. Not doing that. For the Lock cashier, press 1. Oh, yes. Have a wonderful day. What else is Thank you press? for calling Lock Cashier. Please leave a message, and a representative will return your call as soon as possible. For anything of an urgent nature, please call 347-901-5184. We're going to have to call them. I just hung up on Chinese Maniac again. Damn it. Damn it. And I forgot the freaking phone number. God, this is not going well. Hello. Yeah, I, I keep screwing this. It was three, four, seven. Shit, I'm usually good at this too. Um, I, guess, I think we have to call, have to call back remember. and just try to uh, catch it quicker this time. I'm gonna be ready this time. Three, four, seven, five, zero, one. Yeah, nine, one, eight, four, maybe. I don't know. Let's, let's Hello. Sure. Thank you for calling Lock. Yeah, I know what to press. If now. you know your party's attention, please enter. Thank you for calling Lock Cashier. Please leave a message, and a representative will return your call as soon as possible. For anything of an urgent nature, please call 347-901-5184. Oh, we were close. I had 501-9184. It's actually 901-5184. A little bit dyslexic here. All right. We're, we're gonna, it's obviously urgent. Obviously urgent. It's like a Chicago number. Maybe this is Shane Bridges' number. I can only hope. Why what? It, it hung up on me. Invalid phone number? What the hell? Three four seven nine oh one five one eight four. It just doesn't work. Well, that doesn't work. What a shock. Oh, well. The invalid phone number. Well, that's, uh, that's par for the course. All right, let's, let's move on to the next topic here. I, I tried. I tried to get a prank call going, but uh, Locke lock, uh, made a fool of me once again. So uh, let's, let's move on to the next topic we have here. I have to bring up because somehow I lost my agenda. And uh, that is, oh, I have an update on the Joe Seabach story. I have an update that I think everybody should hear. I told most of the story last week. I'm not going to repeat it. But uh, at the same time, Joe Seabach as you know, sent uh, pictures of his penis to random girls on the internet, and he got his account hacked. And he kept these pictures in his sent folder, stupidly, and uh, some guys got a hold of these pictures and tried to extort money out of Seabock. Uh, that's been known for a while. What's also been known for about a week is the fact that the culprits, the ones who did this, got busted. 
and they got sentenced to fairly long prison sentences for the extortion. But some more information came out in an article that was posted on uh, artstechnica.com, including a picture of ringleader Tyler Shear. So, uh, let me tell you what I found there. It was, it was interesting. Uh, first of all, they mentioned that if this was uh, the whole operation was run by two female FBI agents. That's who was in charge of this operation to uh, rescue Joe Seabach from this extortion attempt, but not before his penis got out. Um, the the two female FBI agents, uh, one of the two, was one who I spoke to that called us when the uh, the penis picture and uh, the hot letter that Joe wrote appeared on Donk Down from one of our users. Now, in this story on Arts Technica, they actually mentioned the Donk Down post without mentioning Donk Down by name, which is fine because I don't own that site anymore. Nor does that even have a forum anymore. But uh, here is... Let me, let me see if I can find this part of it here. Um... Yeah, I'll, f- I'll find it later. But uh, anyway, they, they, they this describes how the the on December first how the FBI went down to uh, a Connecticut dorm room to arrest the uh, apparent ringleader Tyler Schleer and search his place. Uh, what's amazing is that these stupid extortionists here did nothing to cover up their identities. They they used their own IPs. So they were uh, they, they used their own IPs for these accounts that they used to extort Seabach. They used their own IPs to hack the uh, the Gmail account or the Hotmail, whatever it was that uh, that Seabach used. They they just used their own IPs for everything. So all it took was the FBI to subpoena the uh, the logs from these companies to find out who did it, and they traced it right back to the culprits. I mean, these guys were morons. Uh, this Tyler Schreer put uh, was the one who put all the pressure on Joe Seabach. And what was funny is he was asking for a bunch of different sums of money. So he started out that uh, you know, wanting 100k. Uh, then, then he went to 75k. Uh, then, then he went to like 60k. Then, then he went back to, uh, to 100k again. It was, it was all over the place. And at one point, unbelievably, in the middle of this whole thing, he actually asked for one million dollars. He really did. I mean, this guy was nuts, this, this Tyler Schreer. And uh, not only that, but he he also contacted Amanda Leatherman and tried to get her to pay. Because you know, I only saw the picture of Joe and, and his penis. But, but I guess um, there were uh, pictures that Joe took with Amanda. I don't know how revealing they were. But uh, he was trying to blackmail both Amanda and Daniel Negranu to not have these pictures released. Because Negranu was Amanda's new boyfriend at the time. By this point, uh, Joe was not with Amanda anymore. This is one of many things that went downhill for Joe. You know, Joe, w- Joe was with Amanda Leatherman. He, he, was, uh, he had money. He had popularity. And, and all of a sudden, he's broke. He's shilling for UB. Everyone hates him. And Amanda's now with, uh, you know, with Daniel Negranu. This is all in late 2010. So things went down for downhill for Joe Seabock pretty quickly the, the second half of 2010. So uh, uh, on October 18th, 
Uh, Tyler Schreer made an account named Stanky Lagg, Stanky L A G G G at Gmail dot com, and, and started to uh, hassle both Seabock and uh, and Aman- Amanda to quote buy back these pictures. Uh, what's interesting is that uh, when I play poker at the Bellagio, there's a Wi-Fi there, like uh, some kind of uh, router there, named Stanky Leg, which I always thought was a weird name for a router, especially in a public place like the Bellagio. In the Bellagio poker room, there's a, some router. It has a password on it called Stanky Leg. Nobody can figure out where Stanky Leg is, but there actually is a router in the poker room in the Bellagio named Stanky Leg. So this is actually Stanky Lag. So I wonder if there's any kind of relation here. I wonder if the guy got this idea from playing the Bellagio back then. Anyway, Stanky Lag uh, started emailing Joe on October 18th. And then uh, then he asked him to switch to Instant Messenger so they could talk. He made a new account named Just for Kicks Bra. And then Seabock asked, what are you looking for? And the guy says, 100k. And it said 60k initially and 5k every year. And, and he's saying the 5k every year will show that I have motivation to never reveal the picture. So he's basically saying, uh, uh, give me 60k up front and then for 8 years pay me 5k just to show that uh, you know, you're know you still on board for this. So, so then... Uh, so, so what was funny is, is the guy at first was denying that he was blackmailing Joe. And uh, so, so Joe says to him, "You're telling me you broke into my personal stuff and aren't going to post the picture if I, and, and, and you're going to post the pics if I don't pay you. I'm going to pay you, but that's blackmailing faux show." And the guy responds back, "Faux show." <laughs> so I guess he agrees. With, <laughs> I guess he agrees with blackmail. So, so then, um, then Joe brings up the obvious question: uh, "You, you understand that your guarantee doesn't mean a lot to me when you're blackmailing me for 100k, right? You know, this is about you know whether he still wouldn't post the pictures." And so the guy says, "Yep." But it's really your only option if you don't want the picks to go up. So, um, so Joe never sent any money. Actually, uh, he sent Amanda Leatherman more than a hundred messages. Tyler Schreer did this. Uh, so, you know, asking for various sums of money from Seabock before that. Or actually, sorry, this is from Amanda. He he first asked uh, to send a thousand dollars to a full tilt poker account named Craigslist Girl. And he even says the avatar is the dog. <laughs> he says, send at least $1,000 to Full Tilt Poker account Craigslist girl. Avatar is the dog. So he uses that like, cute little dog as the avatar when he's extorting people. Um, and then he asks for 75000 from Amanda. And he says, I swear to God, these picks are out tonight if I do not get the cash. Uh, another time he asked for tw- 20000 And another time he asked for... One million dollars. So uh, this went on for two weeks. Uh, as I said, Amanda got a hundred messages or more, and uh, and he got frustrated though when he wasn't getting any money. So uh, you know was they, they were stringing him along, for, and the FBI was investigating it the whole time, just trying to gather evidence. So uh, eventually, Shreer was saying uh, to Amanda, "You told me you would get the cash yesterday. Nothing came. The price has gone up. I want forty k now." I have other offers for this information now. If you want me to make them private, I need the money tomorrow. But then, but then he raised the price again to seventy-five k the next day for no reason. So this guy was like nuts. So uh, anyway, what it appears is that um, 
Tyler Schreer, he was probably the main one behind this, but it was hard to tell because they said this in a nice way in the article. Uh, it looked like both of them were morons. Like, like the, n- neither of them was particularly sophisticated. Neither masked their IP. Neither had any kind of real plan. Neither, like, they, they both blamed the other. They both said that they were helping out the other, but it was very clear that both of these guys, uh, Tyler Schreer and, the, and this Hudson guy, um, what, what was his name here? Uh, Keith Hudson, who's 39. Yeah, Tyler Schreer was only uh, well. This is three years ago, so I guess uh, Hudson was thirty-six and Schreer was was twenty. Um, but they were both blaming the other when the FBI questioned them. But it, it was clear that that both were in on this, and that while Schreer was more aggressive about it, that Hudson was very much in on this. And in fact, Hudson and Schreer had some kind of deal. And when Schreer went silent, Hudson panicked, and hassled Schreer, with, you know, with message after message. Demanding he talk to him because he thought Schreer had gotten paid and ran off, and and in fact threatened his life at one point. So the two extortionists were actually you know fighting with one another before even getting caught, and and one sent a death threat to the other. So uh, anyway, they raided uh, Tyler Schreer's uh, dorm in Connecticut. They did so at like six thirty in the morning. Woke him up. Actually, uh, left him sitting there in his underwear as they searched his room. Then they finally let him get dressed and, and put him in the corner and continued searching his room uh, and confiscated his computers and all this other stuff. There's actually a picture in this article that you can find. Uh, uh, you can find if you go to the Flying Stupidity Forum and, and read about Seabach there, the thread about that. But there's a one picture of Schreer taken three years ago uh, sitting in his dorm room as it's being searched. You don't see anyone searching it, but you just see him sitting in the corner as they obviously instructed him to do as they were searching his room. Uh, and, and anyway, uh, that, that that's pretty much the detail here. And I I didn't realize until reading this that uh, Amanda Leatherman and Negreanu were involved. And in fact, Amanda had been getting a whole lot of messages. Uh, apparently, uh, Schreer was using Adderall compulsively. And that may have uh, somewhat contributed to this behavior, or at least the erratic behavior. I-, I believe as far as the extortion, I think the guy was just a piece of shit and just uh, came up with a scheme to extort money from people. And, uh, you know, being immature and 20 years old probably didn't help either. And, uh, you know, this Hudson guy was probably some uh, middle-aged lowlife who uh, went along for the ride. I, I-, I forgot where the two- said the two met each other. But uh, at the end of this article, again, referred to Seabach being damaged by this and that he can't get uh, jobs representing poker sites anymore after this, which is a joke, and I gave my opinion about that. The weird thing about this article is there was a third guy involved, like Tyler, or not Tyler, some third guy who was 22, the youngest one involved of the three, and uh, this article didn't mention him at all, and this is the guy who hasn't been sentenced yet that's going to be sentenced in uh, Philadelphia. So, uh, I I would read this article. It really opens up more of a window to the whole thing and you really can kind of feel like you were there as the FBI raids went down, as the interviews went down, whereas before they were kind of just like, you know, typical news stories about someone getting arrested. So if you're interested in the story, definitely read the Arts Technica article. So, uh, and it does mention the Donk Down post, and in fact it quotes it. It just doesn't say who made the post or what site it was on. It just talked about a well-known poker forum. So, uh, moving along here to our, our next topic. 
And if you want, you want the link to the article, by the way, I see people in the chat room are, are looking for it. It's a long link, so I, I don't want to really say it on the, uh, on the air, and it'll be hard to follow. But if you go to the thread in the Flying Stupidity Forum called Two California Men Get Prison Terms in Pro-Poker Sextortion Scheme Joe Seabock, go to that thread. It's on the front page of the Flying Stupidity Forum as of right now. And if you scroll down to uh, like the 14th post or so, you'll find the link to the article on ArtsTechnica.com. So definitely an interesting read. All right, so uh, getting back to the agenda. It's actually getting a little bit late. I guess we, between the Cantscaler call and uh, all the other stuff, it took a long time. Uh, poker player who was once with us once part of the community is no longer here. We have lost the poker player. I don't like, you know, I don't like this. I don't like when the MASH song has, has words to it. That bothers me. I'm not even going to play it anymore. That feels unnatural. Supposed to be instrumental. It's not the MASH song I grew up with. Anyway, um, Matthew Roth, who was 26, he played on Full Tilt as Not in My House, and on Poker Stars as Matt Roth. I saw a picture of him here. He's a normal looking young guy. Uh, he killed himself on April 23rd near the uh, Wild Wild West Casino. Uh, just uh, in Las Vegas, just shot himself in his car. Nine thirty in the morning. Kind of weird, like like you know, you're just driving by in Vegas and you see like a gunshot go off in a car, and a dude just dead there. But yeah, he just shot himself at nine thirty in the morning. His father claims that this was because of Black Friday. Here's what his father said. Now, now there's no doubt that this guy suffered from uh, depression and anxiety. But um, this is what his father said. His father's pretty young, by the way. His father's 45, and this guy's 26. I mean, I'm not that far from 45 myself, and my son is two. Um, uh, It says, Matt had a tougher time reading himself. He battled anxiety and self-esteem issues for years, Bill said. Bill is his father. But his downward spiral began in 2001 when the federal government shut down online poker in the United States. The federal government, two years ago, shut down his site, took his money, and with that, they didn't know it, but they took my son, Bill Roth said. They took his livelihood, self-esteem, drive, they took his focus. Uh, uh, Caller, you're on the air. Is this the live call-in number? Yeah. For April 30th show? That's what it would be. Okay, you have a pen and paper ready? Uh, what am I going to be writing down? <laughs> You're going to be writing down 11.30 a.m., May 29th. 11.30 a.m. on May 29th at the Rio. There's an employees tournament Yeah. for employees only, no limit. Mm-hmm. It's a $500 buy-in. And I want Todd to meet me there with $1 million. Mm-hmm. And I will not show him pictures of my penis. My name is Big Pooh, and you can get back to me then. 
All right. Is this understood and written down? Uh, it's understood, but uh, you know, I, I I can't really play in that tournament. I'm not an employee of the Rio, so I, I you know, if I'm going to bring you a million dollars, at least I want to have some other purpose to go there. I will play in the tournament, and if you do not bring the million dollars, I will show you pictures of my penis. <laughs> All right. Oh, that's a wonderful show you have, and I want to thank you for making us laugh today. And that's really why I wanted to call in and tell you it's a great sight. And I really had a good laugh listening to your show today. And uh, that's what I really wanted to tell you. Keep up the good work and good luck at the World Series to yourself. Okay, thank you. All right, good night now. Good night. Get some odd calls here for sure. But at least the guy liked the show. I thought that was that guy, Pete Outright uh, Lebrano. <laughs> You know, maybe I'll be seeing him too. You know, I've talked so much trash to uh, the, the Snake of the Grass, and then the Pete LeBron who's like a—he's supposed to be his enforcer. So maybe, uh, maybe I'll be seeing him too. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, getting back to what I was reading about uh, the player who uh, committed suicide—it's—it uh, it's said that uh, basically, it's—it it's, so it says he was scrawny and often picked on in grade school, but he packed on sixty pounds of muscle in high school. After school, poker in the gym became his life. But Matt Roth stopped caring about his appearance after Black Friday. He stopped going to the gym and began hiding his body in heavy jackets or hooded sweatshirts, his father said. Or maybe it was just cold. You ever think of that? <laughs> I mean, we, we, just, we just finished winter. Maybe it was just cold winter there. You've heard of a cruel, cruel summer. This is a cold, cold winter. His appearances became sporadic, such as randomly showing up in Alaska on his sister's birthday. I think that's nice. Or an unexpected trip to Hawaii for the Christmas holiday. That's also nice. At least he took off the heavy jacket. Uh, whether he was flying to Pittsburgh to catch an outdoor, an outdoor professional hockey game or traveling to Times Square in New York City, most of his decisions were on a whim. I, I, I don't know. Sounds like this guy had a good life. Sounds like he had fun. He's jet-setting all over. Yeah. Uh, he had no plan. He was living a lot of people's dreams, his father said. He was in and out of our lives, trying to redirect his life, but he couldn't. This is interesting. Although he killed himself with a handgun he took from a friend in Las Vegas, his father doesn't blame guns. He said Matt Roth would have found another way to commit suicide. So at least uh, the gun lobby escapes uh, unscathed on this one. Uh, anyway... I don't know if I believe this whole thing that it had to do with Black Friday. I mean, obviously Black Friday probably contributed somewhat, but this guy sounds like he had mental illness. Sure. And this was going to happen at some point anyway. Yeah, I read somebody made a post that this guy actually moved to, like, Canada and tried playing up in Canada on Poker Stars Full Tilt, and it didn't work out, so he came back. Or maybe he came back for another reason, but I agree wholeheartedly that... um you know, maybe Black Friday and maybe it sunk him into depression, something like that. But, um, you know, it just seems like he had a lot of problems and maybe this was coming one way or the other at some point, um, you know, possibly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, exactly. The, first of all, this is two years after Black Friday. And if someone killed themselves like right after it occurred and realized they couldn't play poker and then or, or realized their money was taken by full tilt, I could more understand. This is two years later. It sounds like... Uh, this is one of just several factors in his life. Maybe it was uh, something that happened in Canada. They won't obey their parents. They just want to fart and curse. 
Should we blame the government or blame society? Or should we blame the images on TV? No, blame Canada! Blame Canada! For the beady little eyes and black and heads upon the lies. Blame Canada! Blame Canada! We need to form a full assault! Yeah, so maybe blame Canada, I don't know. But uh, I, I can't blame Friday for it. Can't blame Black Friday. So uh, I think, if anything, it was only a, a small factor in this guy's suicide. Obviously, a sad situation when anyone with mental illness uh, just abruptly decides to kill themselves. I actually grew up with a guy, not a poker player, but a guy that I was knew since elementary school, was even friends with him in high school who uh, battled mental illness later in life. When I knew him, he wasn't mentally ill, but uh, in his young adult life, he was. And um, after dealing with this through his late 20s, he went to Yosemite National Park, which was one of his favorite places, and decided to kill himself there. And, uh, you know, in fact, went to a really remote area of the park where he knew he wouldn't be found and, and overdosed on pills on purpose and uh, and killed himself. And, you know, I guess he wanted to die among nature in the place that he loved. But this is because of mental illness. I mean, there's only so much that could be done for him, and just one day he decided he couldn't take it anymore. So um, this this uh, Matt Roth reminds me of him. And uh, there's actually other people that went to my high school that, that also killed themselves in their 20s. I, I just think that, uh, you know, certain people who have this mental illness, uh, various forms of mental illness and depression, uh, some of them never make 30 because the, the pressure just gets to them. And they uh, they end up not wanting to continue living and they, they make rash decisions. And uh, in this case, uh, he decided to shoot himself on April 23rd. So it's a tragic story. I feel bad for his dad. Uh, and I'm sure he's looking for people to... people or, or something to blame for it. But... Uh, that's, that's the situation. Someone just asked in the chat, Lou Father, why haven't we seen Lauren around? Lauren is the uh, former programmer of Donk Down, and uh, you know, he and I are no longer friends since the whole uh, fiasco that occurred on Donk Down two years ago, where I left. But uh, as far as I can tell, uh, Lauren is not involved there anymore. I think Lauren's just off doing his own thing at this point. I think they have a new programmer there. But you'll have to ask... Uh, the powers that be over at Donkdown, I'm no longer involved in that site. Uh, Lou Father also asked, did I go to a private Jewish school? No. I have never gone to private school in my life. Went to all public schools. So. I think some people just believed for some reason that I, I've gone to private school. They, they picture things like that, that I was at some private Jewish school. But no. And, in fact, I'm a believer that if the public schools near you are good, there's no reason to go to private school. I, I think that uh, it's a waste of money in that case. It's not a waste of money if the public schools around you suck. But otherwise, I think it's a waste of money. I think it's uh, kind of like double paying. I'm too Jewish to do that. So. It's like getting bottle service at a club, right? Right. That's a good example, yes. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you get bottle service, but yeah, they do give you those little uh, side things you can put in your drink. They give you, give you a little thing of lemons and other shit that you can uh, dump into your drink. And you have some uh, 
some host there that helps you out, and for that you pay some exorbitant rate for the for the bottles. I, I really hate those those hosts that work at clubs. I, mean, I don't go to clubs anyway, especially at this age. But uh, the few times I did, I've always hated those hosts that just find a way to extract money out of you. They're even worse yes. than casino hosts. Uh, and they... I remember when we had the uh, donk down party at the insert coins place, and that's not even like a real club. That's more like a, an arcade with a club that they kind of like to you know pretend as a club attached to it. And there was a host there, and all I was trying to do is have her just clear some space for us. I'm like, hey, we're bringing you guaranteed business on an off night. It was going to be like a Wednesday night. And we're bringing you guaranteed business. Can you just make sure there's space for us? Just preserve some space. And like, you know, every other place in that spot would just do it. Like like a super hot spot in town wouldn't, but like a, a place that's dead on Wednesday night, you say I'm going to bring, you know, 20 more people over there. Um, they reserve the space for you. Well, they wouldn't unless I guaranteed like $75 a person and paid in advance. It was, it was such a joke. And so, so I said, no, forget it. I mean, we won't do it. And then when we get there, um, the host is still trying to sell us like a, a little booth area to sit, even though it's clear that the place is a ghost town and we can sit anywhere we want. And, uh, and, and she's trying to say, like, I remember this conversation we were having with her. She's like, oh, yeah, well, 15 people in that booth, it'll be this much, 15 times whatever. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We don't have 15 anymore. You know, a bunch of people left. We only have about 10. She's like, okay, well, 15 people times. Like, no, no, didn't you hear? We don't have 15 anymore. She's like, oh, well, okay. So anyway, uh, 15 times, I I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. And and, and she she just, um, it was so aggressive and so obnoxious. And uh, so we ended up getting nothing and paying nothing. They made very little money off us. We we barely bought any drinks, and the and in fact, I, I took the money that was donated to that event and redirected it to give out free hats. And that's what paid for the free hats I sent out. Nice. So anyway, uh, I, I I just hate those hosts. Let me get to the next uh, topic. Coming kind of towards the end here, but uh, still have a few things to talk about. Uh, Jason Stern. Jason Stern, who is, uh, not a major figure in poker. Some people know him. He's like a tournament pro. I talked about him last week because he represented the site Grinders that cheated everyone. Now, he didn't own Grinders, but he was kind of the face of it. And then, of all things, I was doing a story on this Infinity Poker that was trying to solicit money under what looked like false pretenses about, you know, guaranteeing uh, 273% return on investment if you, you know, if you do that. It's a risk-free 273% return on investment, they claimed at Infinity Poker. Uh, Jason Stern seemed to be involved with that, too. So I'm like, wow, this guy either is is a, involved with scammers or, or just doesn't care what he attaches his name to and, and uh, keeps getting involved with scam sites or potential scam sites. Well, Jason Stern was told this by a mutual friend. I didn't realize that we had a mutual friend, but we did. And this mutual friend listened to the show. <laughs> I just I just noticed something that I'm going I'm to read here. I uh, again I'll be producing the show during the show. This is hilarious. I just noticed. I'll I can't believe I missed it until now. Jeez. Um. Okay, I have a really funny letter I want to read here. Anyway, Jason Stern showed up and defended himself 
but before I get to that, we called up Infinity Poker last week with a prank call from Chico Loco. And uh, while we asked some serious questions about the investment opportunity for Infinity, it, there were also a lot of gags in there about, like, you know, they claimed Infinity Poker had, like, a webcam on there. So Chico Loco was asking, like, what if a guy shows his penis? And, uh, you know, the, we, we threw in a lot of things in there just for comedy. Well, someone registered on this site named Robotoad, which I, I presume is who he claims to be. You'll hear from the letter who he claims to be. Hi, everyone. I just noticed this now, by the way. This wasn't the planned part of the show. So I'm reading this as you were, as you were hearing it. I am the CEO and founder of Infinity Poker. I was called up by Chica Loca. Chica Loca? That's not very nice. Poor Chica Loco is being called a girl here. Last week, and was asked a lot of questions about the investment opportunity my company had posted on, on Kijiji. That was the site where they posted the investment opportunity. He represented himself as an interested investor, and I explained to him specific details about the investment opportunity, which included a royalty reimbursement program, which, of course, he had a problem uh, articulating in Dan's post here. Dan is referring to me, Dan Druff. In any case, it's pretty pathetic how you guys attempt to conjure up nonsensical facts about a company such as mine, that is, and that he underlined this, working extremely hard to provide a compelling and quality product that will bring a global market to the doorstep of all U.S. players. <laughs> so he's still like marketing here in, in, in his post, uh, in his scathing post about Chica, Chica Loca. I would suggest that the owners of this gossip column rag that you should keep your focus on sites that are actually live and taking money from players, as that would be in players' best interests. You are calling fraud on us? Why? We clearly have a product, which has a ton of acclaim, I may add. It is clearly just in beta mode, as we are working out bugs and focusing on load testing balancing. So what's the fraudulent issue? Yes, we had a get out your get your gear beta challenge prior to the new year that ran for a while, and we gave away many shirts, hats, etc. We didn't have to do that, but we wanted to thank those who participated and helped out with the testing. We pulled the plug on the program when we had reports of collusion during the testing. <laughs> do you believe people were colluding to get shirts for Infinity Poker? Right. That'd be like the worst collusion spot ever. Right. You think people are like, like, hey, I thought of something really cool. Let, let's let's be on the phone together as we play beta on Infinity Poker for play money. Let, let's win all the shirts. We'll sell them yeah, on the, the aftermarket. Yeah, those blue shirts were selling for a lot on eBay. <laughs> Reports of collusion during testing, and I did not want to delay the program out any further by diverting our anti-collusion coding toward that particular beta version and away from our core product development. I I would have thought he'd be happy. He'd say, exactly, you have collusion going on. You could write better collusion detection software. You you have people doing it for free. All all you have to do is is give them a shirt. They they can have a shirt... uh, uh, I, I colluded on Infinity Poker, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be true for once. I would encourage anyone who reads this thread to not follow the lemming trail here and to go to Infinity and register for the beta software for yourself. And by the way, just to be clear, this is not Jace, uh, This is not Jason Stern talking here. This is the, the owner of Infinity Poker. Uh, feel free to try out our platform, and I will accept all your criticisms... And I would also like to hear what, what, about what you like. Clearly, no one involved in this organization has ever tried our product, as the screenshots you see here are pulled directly from our social media outlets. I never said I tried this product. That goes for you too, Dan. If you want to talk in any manner about my company, man up and try it first. 
Frankly, I'm not that much concerned about your small ball operation here, as myself and Infinity Poker was featured in the technology section of Bloomberg Business Week in the in early in the early January. In the early January, hmm. is that like the Donald? For for some reason, I get the feeling that they were somewhat better fact checkers than you. In any case, I am a businessman and a gentleman. I will be in Las Vegas during this year's World Series supporting our site pro Gavin Smith. If you want to have a drink or a talk or whatever it is, you will feel will make you feel better. I'm up for anything. Anything? Anything? Hmm. <laughs> He's up for anything. He wants to have drinks with me. I think I'm being asked out on a date. Anyway. Oh, and by the way, lay off Jason. I'm not going to fight his fight, but I will go on the record saying he's a straight shooter. He was a, con- a compensated site rep for Grinders, or as Chica Loca would say, Grinders, and not involved in his administration or ownership. You're barking up the wrong tree, and that's cowardly. I wouldn't say it's cowardly. It may be a mistake. It's not cowardly. Anyways, that's all I'm willing to devote to this sideshow. I'm, I'm certain that my post here will be removed, as it would be in the nature of the ownership here to do the non-classy thing and allow myself to defend my company's position. What, when do I ever remove posts here where people are, are calling me out for something? Never. Isn't it funny that is always the case, is always those with a complete lack of integrity that are always accusing others for the same? Peace. Why peace? That wasn't a very peaceful message. Peace. Michael Hedjuk, Chairman CEO... He's not just the CEO, he's Chairman CEO. Infinity Poker, Inc. Well, at least he didn't sign it best to, like, lock poker. Yeah, <laughs> all the best. All the best piece. All the best piece. Okay, so, so, so I don't know how I missed that. I, I read the Jason Stern post in this thread, but somehow I, I completely airballed that one. I missed the best post there. So anyway, um, getting back to Jason Stern, that, that letter was hilarious. I'm, I'm so glad I just found that right now. I got to, like, I got to enjoy it with the rest of you. I got the. It, it was kind of like uh, we all lost our virginity at the same time. Now, what what is Infinity Poker all about? Do you have uh, cliff notes on what yeah, they? Yeah, I don't know what they are. Infinity Poker is some site that looks very generic. You know, it, it the software doesn't look horrible, but it looks like a generic poker site with the added gimmick of webcams, which has already been done on other sites. I think like Eight 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 did it at some point. Like a webcams that you can use in place of your avatar. Yeah, po- Poker View had it too. Yeah, so um, he's soliciting investment to the uh, site here. I'll read it again here, just for uh, reference. Oh, is it gone? Never mind, it's gone. He deleted it. That's too bad. I, I hope uh, hope someone saved it. Oh, I saved it. Good. Uh, Infinity Poker. It's funny how you deleted it, though. He deleted it just now. Well, I mean, it's gone. Like you were reading it, and then would you hit refresh, and it was gone? No, 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 no. It's oh. I, I read it like last week. Now it's gone. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So he took down the the great investment opportunity after I made fun oh, of okay. it. Okay. After Chica Loca pranked him about it. Uh, between last week and this week, it disappeared. Anyway, I, I did uh, save it because I had a feeling that might happen. Uh, Infinity Poker is seeking a strategic partner slash investor to join our team and take part in profit sharing of this lucrative, in all caps, and recession-proof $5.3 billion industry. We have completed development of a proprietary, groundbreaking software, and we are poised for our live launch within the next 30 to 45 days. 
Thus far, we have nearly 2,000 players signed up, and World Series of Poker winner Gavin Smith is our site pro. Our technology has grabbed the attention of Bloomberg Business Week, who has featured us in their January 3rd edition, and we will also be highlighted in Forbes magazine upon our launch. All facets of our venture are set up and ready to go. Technology, corporate structuring, banking, etc. Here comes the catch. What we require at this time is a cash infusion to support and facilitate our launch, launch initiative. Basically saying they've uh, got everything except money. We can offer a risk-free investment opportunity with 36-month ROI at 273%. Guaranteed 273% in 36 months. For more information about this exciting and rare opportunity, contact Michael at blah, 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 blah. So uh, that, that's what I was uh, kind of lampooning last time, and uh, Chico Loco actually called him last week, and that's what he's referring to. Anyway, Jason Stern responded in the same thread. And, and Jason Stern is, is uh, insisting that... Uh, in this post, which you can find in the Scam Scandals and Shadiness forum, along with that other post I just read, called the thread is called Jason Stern, fresh from representing the Grinders poker site scam, now onto a new fail project. So Jason Stern defended himself, saying that, uh, that basically he was approached by the owner of Grinders in October 2010, uh, that uh, he was struggling financially at the time, that is, you know, Jason Stern was. And uh, he was even about to get a job, and he said, oh, wow, he, now I don't have to get a job. Now I can just uh, represent this Grinders site. So he did, and that at first Grinders paid everyone, and that uh, after May 2011, uh, Grinders started screwing everyone. And, um, and then he stayed with Grinders for the following reasons. He said, one, I didn't have any other options, which is interesting. Uh, Two, uh, he said, as you know, there's a, there aren't a lot of sponsor opportunities in the poker world for middle-aged white guys, which is true. Uh, two, I actually made a lot of friendships on the site. The site doubled as a social media outlet, and I grew to know a lot of players there. Well, that, you know, that's fine. You can stay friends with people, but I don't see why that means you have to continue representing them when they're starting to screw people. So I, I guess he got paid for three more months after uh, uh, the owner of uh, Grinders, who was named uh, David Webb, acquired a silent partner. But then in August 2011, the silent partner supposedly bought out David and turned the site into a completely free, non-prize-earning site, which is a weird conversion from a site where you uh, pay and then earn money, like a subscription site. And, uh, and and then somehow a few months later, David reacquired the site. I have a feeling the silent partner was BS. And uh, and then offered for him to return to the site, and he agreed, and he was paid until March 2012. But then uh, then after that, it was screwed. And and then this uh, in May of 2012 is when that World Series of Poker fiasco occurred, where people had won packages to World Series preliminary events, like like 1K events, and and then they traveled to Las Vegas on their own money, thinking they'd be getting both the seat and the travel reimbursement and got nothing. And um, and that's what happened. And, and then he you know he claims he uh, he dropped out at that point. Or he, he didn't drop out. He was trying to keep the community together um, that, that had gotten to know each other through that grinder site. <clears throat> but that, you know, he had nothing to do with everything that this David guy did. 
So then he went on to say, Jason Stern, that he was contacted shortly after that by Michael Hadjuk, the guy who posted that whole message I read before, the owner of Infinity Poker, but possibly representing his site. And, uh, um, you know, he's basically saying that uh, he has never received compensation from Infinity and they don't have any kind of formal agreement that, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he'll represent them, maybe he won't. But uh, that, that they haven't cheated anyone, so what's my problem? That's, that's basically what his post said. You can read the whole thing on uh, Scam Scandals and Shadiness Forum. Um, he said, although, I, I, although I'm not sure I agree with the wording of that ad, referring to the Infinity thing, I have nothing, I've seen nothing from Michael to make me feel that his site is going to do wrong by their players. So um, Jason was unhappy that I, I brought his name into this and, uh, you know, quote, drug his name through the mud. Uh, Jason, let me tell you this. Uh, I don't think you're a bad guy. I, I think you are what you portrayed yourself to be as a, so a struggling uh, tournament pro who didn't want to go get a job. As, I'm, not, I'm not even criticizing that because I didn't want to get a job either. But uh, you know, you're, you were a struggling tournament pro who, who wanted to keep playing poker and didn't want to you know give up the dream and go play a, get a part time job. And you got these opportunities, and you took them. And then once you were ingrained in grinders, you made friends there, and you, you didn't want to just walk away. But but the bottom line is, you could have kept these friends uh, that you made through grinders and talked to them through other outlets, even if it was doubling as a social media site, without continuing to represent them. And I, I know you're kind of saying you stayed on as uh, trying to hold the community together as this David guy was screwing everyone. I do believe, Jason, you did not scam anyone. I, I believe that you weren't complicit in the scams. I don't think you were even covering for the scams. Uh, but I do believe you should have walked away when it became clear it was shady. Because at the end of the day, you you know, you know have your own name that uh, you, know, you have to look in the mirror and say, uh, what's associated with me? And if, you're, if you join a site that seems okay at the time, fine. If they end up being a scammer, fine. You, know, you didn't know that. If they seemed okay at the time, you, you can't see the future. But once you see that they are not okay... That's the time to make a statement against them and leave. Uh, and and you know, that, that's what you didn't do. And I know you needed the money, didn't have options, but you know, when, when it becomes clear that someone like this David character is very shady and is screwing people left and right, you know, even before this big debacle in May of 2012 when he cheated people out of World Series packages, uh, before that the writing was on the wall, even from everything you described. So you made a mistake by not leaving there. I'm not going to say you're a horrible person. I'm just going to say you made a mistake. And as far as Infinity goes, uh, you're right, they haven't cheated anyone. Um, the, the ad that uh, was posted and is now down was, was very misleading about the risk-free opportunity with a 36-month ROI at 273%. Uh, that, that's off to a bad start there because it's, uh, it, it's trying to get investors based upon misleading information. Now, now to this, uh, Michael Hedjek's credit, when Chico Loco called him, he told the truth. You know, he could, he could have said it was guaranteed, and but he, he did tell the truth. It's not guaranteed. He just said it. So, yeah, at least he owned up to the truth on the phone. But, um, so I'm not saying Infinity's going to scam people. It just isn't off to a good start with the way they were asking for investors. And I just don't, I just don't see how Infinity's going to really succeed because it just doesn't seem different enough from other sites to be revolutionary like they think it is. Yeah, if they're looking for all this capital, then where's all the you know you need money to start one of these sites? So yeah, that's what they're looking for. But I, yeah, but where where are they gonna, you know, what what is gonna make this succeed compared to the tons of poker networks out there that are fail networks? And uh, you know, I'm, I'm not even saying Infinity Poker is terrible. You know, the software may be fine and may be interesting, 
you know, to some degree to have these uh, webcams on there, but I, you really have to set yourself apart in some way to succeed in today's market. Especially with uh, the giants like, like PokerStars and Full Tilt out there. And this is only going to serve non-US players, so you're, you're just going to be you're going to be competing with some pretty strong competition. You're going to be competing against the big guys. So, I just don't understand how the business plan is going to work. But a- anyway, Jason, uh, I-, I wasn't trying to imply that you're some terrible guy. If it came off the way, I'm sorry. Uh, I-, I do think that uh, you stayed with Grinders too long. And I think you should consider this in the future. If a site you're representing is, uh, is screwing people, that you shouldn't stay. And, and apparently they screwed him too. He was saying that Grinders only paid him about 20% of what he was promised. But, it, you know, that's even a better reason to leave. But, if you, you know, if you want to stay when they're screwing you, fine. But if, if you think they're screwing other people, you should, even if there's only early signs of it, you should uh, either have them immediately corrected or get the hell out of there. That's what I would suggest to you. I mean, I know Grinders is too late. It's already gone. But I suggest it to anyone who represents a site, including those representing Lock Poker right now. Give them an ultimatum to clean things up completely, be transparent, give everyone complete confidence in them, or jump ship. Otherwise, your name is associated with bad stuff that you didn't even do. And you don't want that. You, you don't want guilt by association, because it'll taint you for a long time. And it's, it's not worth the short-term money. So, and also it's just wrong. Also, you know, like, why... Why be the face of a site that leads people into a place that's a scam? Even if that's not that wasn't what you set out to do, you should always make sure that the second some site appears to be a scam, you have nothing to do with it. That's that's just my opinion there, Jason. And uh, you know, I don't dislike you. I don't even think you're a bad guy. I just think uh, you hung on too long there. All right. Um, I guess two two more stories, and we're done here. Uh, Paul Leggett has come back. This is unbelievable. Paul Leggett, who uh, fed us lies upon lies upon lies during the era of the new UB. Remember, uh, after the scandal, when UB hired Joe Seabach as a spokesman, and uh, when they after they'd already made these payouts to people for the cheating that everyone insisted were too low, they weren't providing hand histories and claiming they were lost, uh, Leggett just gave the poker community lies after lies after lies, including lies that his bosses were not the old owners of UB, when in reality it was Scott Tom and friends, the same guys who ripped us off on Absolute Poker. But he claimed that wasn't who owned uh, UB. It was a, a new group of investors that he can't name and he can't prove who they are, but we've got to trust that uh, it's a new group of investors there. It's, it's a new group of owners that we can trust. We just can't know who they are. So he just blatantly lied about that stuff. Here's an article. Uh, UB's Paul Leggett resurfaces at Amaya as head of online gaming. According to eGaming Review, Paul Leggett, formerly the COO of Toquero Enterprises, you know, that owned UB, which owned and, and operated the now-defunct Absolute Poker and UB, has resurfaced at Amaya Gaming as the company's head of online gaming. Leggett was embattled during his time of COO of Tokwiro and is now affiliated with Amaya, which oversees the OnGame network. The OnGame network has been around for a long time, by the way. They don't offer games to U.S. players, but they have in the past. A source close to Pocket Fives said that Leggett, who was originally from Canada 
and uh, lived in Costa Rica when he worked at Tokuiro, now resides in Malta. That's a lovely place. Seems to be where uh, where you go when you're doing shady things and don't want anyone to touch you. This is another Canadian causing trouble. Don't blame me for my son Stan. He saw the darn cartoon and now he's off to join the clan. And my boy Eric once had my picture on his shelf. But now when I see him, he tells me to fuck myself. Well, play Canada. Play Canada. It seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came along. Play Canada. Play Canada. That's right. Blame Canada. Definitely in this case. So, uh... According to eGaming Review, Leggett takes over the responsibilities of Peter Bertelson, former managing director of on-game services who remains with Amaya in consultancy. Leggett is now in charge of the online division and responsible for all of Amaya's online activities. That's great. The the cover-up master of UB is now in charge of the online division of Amaya. That's a great hire. Is, Is he getting pounded for this? Like on two plus two or anything? Uh, I haven't really looked, but I, I have to imagine people aren't very happy about this. Leggett was COO of Tokuiro during the investigation into the cheating scandals that engulfed Absolute Poker and UB, and told Pocket Fives in an exclusive interview in 2008, "We just inherited this problem, and we are doing everything we can to fix it and satisfy the public. We're trying to rebuild the brand, rebuild trust, and show that we're secure. The business has never benefited from any one of these instances of cheating. It's only suffered." Yeah, except the same owners who cheated were still owning the company. I don't see that how that's not benefiting from the cheating. But uh, in Paul Leggett's world, it is. Uh, Paul, Both Absolute Poker and UB are headed for liquidation, and whether players will be united with all or a portion of their funds remains to be seen. I can already tell you it, it will not happen. There's too many entities ahead of the players that the government will pay first, and there's very little money to go around. There's been no update about the liquidation in several months. Uh, let's see, anything else interesting? But uh, no, Nothing else. It's UB stuff that I won't bother to read. So, um, what I don't understand here, why would they ever hire a guy like Paul Leggett? With all the baggage he brings, with a, the fact that this is obviously a dishonest guy, why would you want him heading up your uh, online division of your company, of your your online games, why would you ever want to have that person running your online division? I mean, that's a, there are so many people out there who could be qualified for such a position. Is it is there really that that much of a shortage of qualified candidates without baggage applying for these positions? Because not only do we have Paul Leggett who's a scumbag who lied through his teeth the entire time about both the hand histories and the new UB, who really owned it. Um, Yeah, yeah, I mean, he had nothing to do with the actual cheating, but he was a a, a company figurehead who had no problem lying to everyone. It was partially responsible for the eventual collapse at UB that came to light on Black Friday and, and, uh, you know, told everyone it was okay to deposit there and it's safe and uh, new owners and it was all BS and people deposited there and believed him and lost their money. But anyway, it wasn't just him, though. Remember FTP Doug, who posted on 2 Plus 2 that uh, whatever Howard and Ray told him to post misled yeah. everyone for months? Cheyenne Marcus? Yeah, Cheyenne Marcus. So I ever say his name. And now he is the manager of Full Tilt. Yeah. How does he get that job? How does PokerStars hire a guy like that after the baggage he brings? Even if he's a competent manager, even if he was just 
doing what Ray and Howard told him to do, and it makes him a good employee. He was still a scumbag who lied to everyone. He he was saying things that uh, he was pretending he knew to be true, when in reality he had to have major doubts. And even if he he didn't have major doubts, even if this was all innocent, it was just it was stupid not to have major doubts if that's true. And even if it wasn't stupid not to have major doubts, which it was, this guy's tainted. This Cheyenne Marcus. Why hire him? Why after what happened to Full Tilt? Why bring someone like him? And put him in charge of the poker room there. That's just rubbing salt in old wounds. I, right. I didn't understand poker stars doing that. And I especially don't understand why bring Leggett into Amaya when he doesn't even have anything to do with Amaya previously. It's not even like they brought back, uh, you know, Shia Marcus to Full Tilt because at least he had a lot of familiarity with Full Tilt. At least he brought that knowledge to the company. Right. Leggett doesn't bring any knowledge specifically of on game to Amaya. He brings knowledge of how to lie about uh, scandals at UB. That, that's really his only skill. That's really his only experience. Maybe that's what they're looking for. Yeah, maybe maybe they're cheating people. They need someone to cover it up again. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely good at that. Yeah, he was talented at that. Maybe maybe they're about to have a big scandal at, at uh, Amaya, and they're like, crap, we need a good spin doctor. We need someone who sounds good when he lies to people. Who could we hire? Who has experience? Ah, Paul Leggett. He's not working right now, is he? Yeah, let's give him a call. Let's be all ready for the next scandal. Crazy. I mean, these people should be blackballed from poker. They should never be hired anywhere. Especially Paul Leggett. At least you could say uh, Full Tilt Doug there, uh, Shyam. Maybe he didn't know what he was saying. Maybe he thought he was telling the truth. I doubt it, but maybe. Or he just needed a check and just said whatever they told him to. That's what I think happened. But but right. Paul Leggett, I mean, this guy was was outright lying. He knew who his boss was. He knew that Scott Tom was there. There were no new owners of UB. He knew that. He just outright lied to everybody, and idiots trusted it. I shouldn't say idiots. Uh, some idiots and some people who uh, were greedy, and others who were uh, just not following the story enough and just believed the blurbs they read uh, in, in the news articles about UB from Paul Leggett. But, uh, I mean, this guy blatantly lied. Cheated the community. He may not have cheated through the super using, but but UB players got cheated when Black Friday happened and they had no money. They did the same thing as Full Tilt. Just nobody talks about it because Full Tilt was on a much grander scale and it was a much bigger surprise. So, yeah, Paul Leggett uh, now head of online gaming at Amaya. If you do play on on game... I would send them a letter, tell them that uh, you don't appreciate this hire. Maybe even threaten to take your money off there, because uh, I'd be pissed if I was playing on there. I'm pissed, and I don't play on there. All right. So, uh, last story. Uh, some people were excited, given this whole uh, state online poker craze that's going on now. They were excited about the prospect of poker stars. Slipping their way in to a license to offer poker stars to U.S. players. And poker stars was going to accomplish this by purchasing a struggling casino in Atlantic City called the Atlantic Club. And if they were to purchase the Atlantic Club and get a license to run it, 
then Poker Stars would have a gaming license in New Jersey. And when New Jersey would introduce legalized online gaming, just as Nevada has, it would no doubt be restricted to companies that had an existing license to offer online gaming, or sorry, to offer uh, brick-and-mortar gaming in, in New Jersey. Poker Stars would already have that license, and then they would be eligible to offer online games, and then they could just roll out the existing Stars software and just crush everyone, because they'd have the best software and all the experience that nobody else would have. So uh, they were all ready to do this, and they were all ready to purchase the struggling casino. And they had an agreement with the Atlantic Club to purchase them. But the contract stated that Poker Stars had to get a license to offer these games. Not the online games, but just a license to operate the casino by April 26, 2013. If that did not happen, the contract would be considered null and void. Well, that didn't happen. Poker Stars did not get their license. There's a lot of opposition to them coming into New Jersey. And uh, the official reason for the opposition was that uh, Poker Stars has a recent criminal history involving money laundering, bank fraud, and uh, offering online poker for real money in the United States. So they say we you know these poker stars, you know, they broke the law. They broke it repeatedly. And they just got in big trouble 2 years ago. So we don't want them to have a license. This is not a reputable company according to the people in New Jersey who were criticizing poker stars attempting to buy the Atlantic Club and criticizing their attempt to get a license. Uh, the real reason is more likely they don't want to compete with poker stars. They want to run their own online fail rooms in New Jersey and not have to compete with a company that has a 10-year head start on them. And I can understand that. Who, who wants to who wants to have to face up against poker stars when you roll out some crappy new software that you uh, try to design from scratch and poker stars has had you know, 10, 11 years to perfect this. And they already have a name everybody knows. And then they can suddenly offer legal games in New Jersey. Everyone's going to flock there. They're going to say, screw the, uh, you know, the Borgata online poker room or whatever. So all these companies were nervous about competing against poker stars. So they used the excuse that poker stars had committed crimes, which they have. It's true. And I should give you a little bit of history of Atlantic City so you can understand better why the uh, Poker Stars is having a hard time getting a license. When Atlantic City legalized gaming, it was when Las Vegas had a real problem with the mob. I think this happened in the 70s. And Las Vegas had a, a big time problem with, with the mob having a presence there. It's not like that anymore. But uh, there was a lot of concern that this was going to happen in Atlantic City, given how there's such a mob presence anyway in New Jersey. And uh, they didn't want mob-controlled casinos in New Jersey. So they, they very carefully wrote the laws in New Jersey that uh, allowed applicants for licenses, for gaming licenses, to be denied for a, a wide variety of reasons, including moral reasons. 
So uh, for that same reason, they're now able to reject poker stars. For the same reason, they uh, rejected gaming licenses for mobsters in the 70s. So I, I don't think poker stars is ever going to break through there for that reason. I think the existing casinos have too much power. So the deal has expired. The contract is null and void. And neither side has made motions thus far in the last four days to renew the contract. And the thought within the industry is that they're not going to attempt to renew the contract, that everyone's just giving up. Not for sure, but that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, it's stupid. They should want them in there and just let them control everything and take their piece because, you know, it's it's all they're ready to they could just roll it right out. Yeah, but that, that's where they're afraid of. The the other uh, casinos there don't want to compete with that. Right. So I I, right. I think the state itself would be okay, but there's a lot of influence with the uh right. The, from the casinos to to the gaming commission. Sure. So uh all right. Anyway, we're getting close to finish here because we uh, covered all the topics. If anybody wants to make a river phone call, the phone numbers, which I forgot to give at the beginning of the show, are 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. Also, if you want to call up the pleasant Mount Charleston phone number, Mount Charleston is a lovely mountain hanging over Las Vegas, about 40 minutes away from Vegas, when Vegas is over 100, it's in the 70s in Mount Charleston. Sometimes even the high 60s. A lot cooler up there. I have an old phone sitting over there that forwards over to me whenever you call it. I even had someone call me after the show last week on the Mount Charleston phone number. And I answered. The phone number is 702-430-1808. 702 430 is the phone number if you want to reach me on the Mount Charleston line. Make sure to show your caller ID, star 82. And if you don't, then we're going to be shutting this thing down after almost four hours. And my throat kind of hurts. I think that's a sign I talk too much. Yeah, that'll happen after uh, four hours. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Druff and Friends show. The friend of the week, China Maniac. I'd like to thank him for the co-hosting duties. Always does a good job. Oh, I got a little update here. I've been watching um, Ultimate Poker. Yes. And uh, two, three, six, no limit games going. And a 10-20 limit game going with a limp donk. Oh, my goodness. Boy, I wish I had money on there. Makes me want to go down to the station casino right now. A freaking limp donk. Wow. That's my dream. I mean, 10-20 is not super high, but you can make good money 10-20 online because it moves so fast. And, For sure. And, you know, I, oh, I wish I put money on there. I could just sit down with a limp donk and beat him in all the hands and, and stroll <laughs> down to station casinos and you know just take the cash and shove it in my pocket and laugh at sites like Lock Poker that are still doing it the old way and not paying anyone. Man, that's a good sign. Day one a limp donk already. Wow. We may be looking at big things for the Nevada online poker market 
I hope I'm wrong about them being fail sites because there are not enough people in Nevada. But there may be a pop at the beginning where everyone's excited about it and then everyone gets bored real fast. So we'll have to see how this plays out over the next few months. But it's definitely good news and uh, I hope it all works out. I'm getting real tired of not being able to play online poker. And I haven't played it in quite some time. Oh, 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 hold on. I wish I had the uh, stop the music sound effect because that'd be perfect here, but I didn't have it ready. Call, you're on the air. Hi. Hi. Hello. Uh, it sounds like a voice synthesizer. Hi. Hi. It's a computer calling us. Go, go ahead. It's Tina. It's Tina. Okay, Tina, what's going on? I'm a blonde. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I love you. You know, you're uh, you're coming on a bit Want strong. Want to go out sometime? You're coming on a bit strong. You gotta okay. get to, you gotta get to know me first. It's Brittany. I live next door. I was going over. Whoa, 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 Great. I want you so bad. You're silly. Wow. Huh? Tina, I think you're suffering from multiple personality disorder. I, I, I was with you until the Britney thing. Now I'm kind of scared to be with you. I, I'm kind of scared you're going to like cut off my penis or something. I'm afraid like Tina's the good one and Britney's the bad one. I don't know when Britney's going to come out. <laughs> I mean, I, I really... Ha- anything else, Tina, Britney, or whoever? It's just my luck that the only females who call this show are, are this. Yeah, computer. I, I get sound bites. You know, like uh, terrestrial radio hosts, they, they get uh, real hot girls calling them up. I, I get uh, sound bites. Oh, well. The, the worst thing is Tina is just sitting here now and not even hanging up. Like, just saying nothing. She's playing hard to get. Like, it was weird because, like, she and Brittany, they were just like, Blurted out about a hundred pickup lines in about thirty seconds, and and now they can't even say one. I think they like shot their load. Yeah, I think that's the way uh, computers flirt or something. They they do it all right up front. No uh, no patience. All right, th- thank you, uh, Tina. That was a odd way to end the show, but uh... anyway, we'll be back next week. Druff and friends. Uh... Whoever the co-host is, it is. If we even have a co-host, you never know. But uh, thank you to the audience for sticking by through this entire situation with with Brandon. Will he be here? Will he won't? Will he not? At least you know the answer now. At least uh, the suspense is over, even if it's not the result you were hoping for. So, we will hear very soon how ultimatepoker.com is doing, how legalized online poker in the United States is going to survive or if it's going to fail. Exciting times here in 2013 for poker players. I'm looking forward to see what happens next. Good night. Good night. And shalom.